Today's date is April 15th, 2018, and you are listening to the Blue and Gold Standard on 91.1 KLPR. On today's show, the boys are discussing the current state of the NBA playoffs, all the NFL draft drama, and what to expect with the upcoming spring games. Be sure to stay tuned in for our expert guest to join the show with hot takes on his favorites to win the Larry O'Brien Trophy and who to watch for the Big Red next fall. All that and more coming to you live in 25 seconds or less. Put another log on the fire Cook me up some bacon and some beans And go out to the car and change the tire Wash my socks and sew my old blue jeans Come on baby, you can fill my pipe Welcome to the 11th edition of the Blue and Gold Standard, presented on 91.1 KLPR. I'm Austin Jacobson, joined here as always by my co-host, the men with smaller hands than McDonald's hamburger, Jack McClay and Wyatt Pfeiffer. All right, let's eat, kids. No, we're not going to eat yet. Let's go back to the fact that you think that our hand, well, at least my hands. Your hands are smaller than my hands, Jack. Just admit it. I've got Burger King hands. You may be a lineman, but I have bigger hands. All right. You have Burger King hands. I do. I have Burger King hands. All right. Get over it. Plead the fifth. That, yeah, see, Wyatt's got baby hands, so he's got nothing to say. But with that, let's move into some uh, recent news and a recap of different sports, everything going on in the sporting world now. So, Wyatt, you want to take the first of the Eastern Conference playoff matchups? All right, yeah, pretty rough game uh, yesterday, or, yeah, yesterday. Saturday it all kicked off. We had the Raptors playing the Wizards. That was the second game on the day after the Warriors played the Spurs. But that Raptors-Wizards game, I was able to watch all that and – it was really rough all the way down to the finish. It's definitely you're very able to tell that these playoff fouls are taking into effect. A lot less fouls are called. Like John Wall was driving very hard on almost such every play. Well, he was. What the That's man? That's what talks. John Wall such does. Such a homer. And a couple missed calls, but it was a close game. Raptors ended up pulling out the first game in what ten seasons they won their opening yeah. game of a series. I mean, this is the first time in a while they haven't played, like, Cleveland or something along those lines, too. I mean, this is, like, their first series in all rounds, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? I do believe. It's the last 10 series they had there. They were 0-9 going into this opening game, and then they ended up winning 114-106. to And then uh, Boston hosted Milwaukee in their game one, and nobody knew what to expect from Boston. They ended up clutching it out in overtime yeah. and got the 113-107 to victory. I definitely thought the Bucks were going to have it. I Honestly, thought Milwaukee was going to sweep them, but that's amazing to see how the Celtics come out with Brad Stevens, who must be doing his job up there, I guess. Well, Boston did a great job without Kyrie, without you know Gordon Hayward, who they haven't had all year. Uh, Jalen Brown, Al Horford had two great games. Honestly, I got to watch it during work today, so pretty good experience just sitting at the cardio counter, you know, in the uh, wellness center, just watching the game, doing my job as always. You well, know. here's the thing that I think is crazy is I just figured that Milwaukee, the fact that they can chuck up some shot with. Yeah. five seconds left and barely get it off and knock that down. You almost wonder, okay, like th- this is luck. It's almost fate that they're going to win this game. But it was a really good job by the Celtics to come back. I mean, I, the fact that I remember you were show- when you are showing me the highlights, just the fact seeing uh, Rozier make that three with .5. And you're, oh, okay, so the Celtics did win. You're like, mm-mm. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, that was the thing. Like, if you watch that highlight or you watch the game, you're just like, wow, the Celtics got him. I mean, they he posterized the guy, ankle broke him, you know, hit the three, and then that was game. Like, you you had to have thought, I mean, that was the three that's going to lead it. 0.5 seconds left. That's not even enough time for a turn and shoot. Like, you literally have to get the ball in front of you and right. shoot it up. And uh, who was it that hit the shot? Middleton? Yeah, Middleton. Yeah, Chris Mid- Middleton. Yeah, Chris Middleton hit the shot, yeah. and he was – 
way far away. I mean, he yeah. was almost standing next to the timeline over there. So that was just, I mean, it was just a great game to watch. But again, I kind of agree with you. Milwaukee not being able to use that momentum going in, that must have been one heck of an overtime to watch. Right. So. And then we had the number three seed, Philadelphia 76ers, just putting a stomping to Miami Heat. They were cold that night, 130 to 103. And the crowd was all chanting, trust the process as they win by 27 points. Like, yeah. That was pretty insane, honestly. And I got to watch most of this game throughout the night, and it was actually a very interesting game to watch because for most of it, it was actually decently close. You actually had a pretty good experience with, you know, how well the teams were playing against each other, and then it just started to continue to go and go, and then the 76ers just blew the doors off of Miami. It really wasn't anything that spectacular. They just, like, I mean, it was truly just a process of them just beating them. Like, that's all it was. Well, and, you know, I just, to even at the start of this conversation, when you hear... And the number three seed, yeah. the 76ers. I yeah. mean, the fact that, the, that these guys are even in contention and then here they are, you know, blowing teams out and doing so well, I think Ben Simmons is absolutely unbelievable. And I know that LeBron James has said, you know, this, is, this guy is going to be like me and everything. But when you watch his highlights very closely, he plays identical very, yes. to LeBron James. And that's something that I was going to say, too. There was a couple of plays in there when he drove in the lane and had a couple of monster dunks that it was very shade, shades of LeBron in there. It was eerily identical about like how similar they were, especially if you watch LeBron's younger days. They look very, very similar in how they played. Well, and I think what's so impressive about Ben Simmons is is he is significantly, from a com- overall size-wise, he is significantly smaller than LeBron oh, yeah. James. And LeBron James is a lot older, so there's a lot of time. And LeBron James was smaller when he was younger. But I think that LeBron James, even at that age, was was bigger, more naturally you know, toned and physical. I think, I think that Ben Simmons doesn't necessarily have that. He's just incredibly aggressive. And very tough and very hard-nosed, and he will get to the rim under any circumstance. And I think that's something, if he continues to grow and continue to get bigger, stronger, more experienced, he could he could honestly make a huge run at, you know, at the King's throne. And he has a great supporting cast with it, too. I mean, some people could argue with Simmons is not even the best player on his own roster. I mean, you still got a number one pick in Markel Fultz, who I'm not saying is the best player, but then you've got Joel Embiid out there, too. And you have a lot of other supporting players on that roster that yeah. are very good. I mean, this is definitely better than any of the Cleveland teams LeBron had grown up. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And then we actually just got a final score uh, between the Cavs and Pacers. The Pacers actually just beat them by 18, 98-80. to 80. Victor Oladipo dropped 32 points and wow. had four steals. Who needs Le- Paul George? I mean – you know, this is good. For, I, I'm going to say this as a, as a huge Cavs fan, a huge LeBron fan, good for Indiana because because <laughs> no. no, because Cleveland is clearly just they've they've coasted all. I mean, they've kind of coasted, but they've essentially coasted all regular season. They're saying, all right, we got the Pacers. They're they're thinking way too ahead, and I think this is going to play into LeBron James too. I think he is is way too ahead of himself. Does it say how many points LeBron did have? Uh, yeah, hold on. Uh, LeBron dropped 24. Next so highest that, scoring that's, that's was J.R. Smith yeah, yeah, at so. 15. So. Who had 15? J.R. Smith. Okay. And then I think Larry Nance had 10, and those are the only in double digits. Right. So, I mean, yes, LeBron's going to get his good points. He's going to do well. But I think I think he is is looking way down down the way, too. I mean, yes, it seems everyone all year, oh, the Cavs are going to kind of work their way through the Eastern, and then whatever, they'll be in the finals. Well, it's like, okay, no. Clearly that's not going to happen, and that's what I'm glad. I can, I can honestly say I'm glad Indiana beat them now as a Cavs yeah. fan because I think that – They'd run into some trouble if maybe they got a couple on them and then really start to coast. And then once they get in trouble, now they're back in Indiana. So, I don't know. Wake up, Cleveland, because Indiana's not going away easy. I mean, I'd like to say wake up, Cleveland. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying. But it's more like wake up, LeBron, because yeah. this Cleveland team isn't even the same as it was previously. I mean, in any of the previous years where they were a one or a two seed, when they were going – I mean, it was – 
it was very obvious that it was going to be Cavs Warriors every single time. And this time it's not as obvious. Yeah. I mean, anyone could come out of the West. Anyone could really come out of the East. There yeah. are a lot of teams coming. So it's it's tough to say, wake up Cleveland, because you truly don't know what's going to happen in yeah. these playoffs. I think just this game in itself kind of shows that. Well, and I don't know why they're why, – why would you feel that way? Yes, you have LeBron James. He's the greatest player in the world. Whatever. You're the four seed. You're not the number one seed. You haven't dominated all year. Uh, you're – your chances of winning the overall thing have not even really been that much in contention. LeBron James is always going to be a contender from the finals, but it hasn't been some overwhelming, oh, it's going to be Cavs for sure. Like it's, I don't know why they have this mentality. Like You guys are not that good. You can, you've shown glimpses to play super, super well, but you are not the Golden State Warriors. You guys can't just play like crap and then still beat teams by 30. You all need to be on top of it right away and from, for the entire like, season. We've seen LeBron carry worse teams in this to more wins. Like, LeBron can do this. He's shown that. And he played all 82 games this yeah. season, which is insane. His 15th season in the league. Yeah, that's why. Playing all 82. That's Trying crazy. to kind of shut everybody up with the whole, oh, you're going to rest? Back in my day, we didn't <laughs> yeah. we didn't take two seconds off, let, her, let alone a minute. <laughs> you'd be a great upset. old man. Oh, yeah. I can't he wait to be an old, old man. man. <laughs> I can't is. wait. I can't wait till my age actually reflects how old I am. <laughs> Fair. All right. So moving on to the Western Conference, we are uh, waiting to see the Houston Rockets play the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then for the number two seed, the Golden State Warriors beat the doors off of the Spurs. That really wasn't even a contest at the beginning of the game. It truly wasn't. I actually texted, I believe, Evan and Ford, uh, our professor, and said I had just had a strong feeling San Antonio was going to steal one yesterday. I just had a bad feeling. I felt like, you know, everyone was talking so much about the Warriors and be like, oh, you don't have Steph and all this. And the Warriors are, you know, they're putting on the, the right face and showing the right things, saying, you know, we don't need him. We have three other all-stars on the roster. But the Spurs just came out completely flat. They looked unmotivated, and they had no reason to win. I mean, they they truly didn't even compete in that game. Right. So Warriors win by, what, 21? Are they better without Steph Curry? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I hate you. You're the worst. There's always that question. <laughs> see, and it. The, see, the Warriors, that just this score just reflects exactly what I talked about, I think, all year. Is that the Warriors, like, oh, what's going on with them? They have some injuries. They've lost some games. We all knew the Warriors, because the Warriors, unlike the Cavs, are capable of doing this. They can take the regular season off. They really can. Because you know that when if they can, they'll, they'll say, all right, now it's really time to turn it on. They have the players, they have the, the coaching, and they, they have incredible chemistry. That's the one thing I will always say about the Warriors, is that you have all these incredible stars who can, can go out there and drop 30 to 35 a night. Really, any single one of them can do it. But they are all very selfless, very all about the team. Even when their emotions can get the best of them, but that's a reflection from coaching. But either way, I think that their chemistry and when they when they truly want to win, it's almost a guarantee. So I would be I'm terrified if I'm any team that has to step in front of them. All right, moving on to the three seed, the Portland Trailblazers play the New Orleans Pelicans tonight at uh, or did, did they already play? I can't remember. I don't think they played no, yet. They, no. they did. Oh, well, we don't have the score. We'll get the score there eventually. Uh, Jack's going to look it up for us quick. Uh, and then the Oklahoma City Thunder will play the Utah Jazz, uh, tipping off here at 5.30. So we've got a couple. We're going to try to update that game as our show's going on. Uh, White, you have any MLB scores or rankings for us? Um, yeah, right now the Beantown's out in front, baby. MLB Boston Red Sox, 13-2 and record. Uh, close behind, They're leading the AL uh, just ahead of the Angels of Anaheim. And then... The Mets, I believe, are 12 and two right behind them. So um, we have in the AL East, it's Sox 13 and two, Blue Jays nine and five, Yankees 500 at seven and seven, Orioles five and 11 after they just got swept, uh, Tampa Bay Rays three and 12, 
Twins leading for the AL Central just ahead of the Indians, who are Indians are eight and six, Twins are seven and four, White Sox four and eight, Tigers four and nine, Royals three and ten. Everybody's kind of throwing out their schedule for the Royals. The Royals fans are already upset, you know, and just kind of give up right away. Um, then we have the Angels thirteen and three leading the AL West. Uh, Astros ten and five, Mariners eight and four, Athletics. 5 and 10, Rangers 5 and 11. And then the NL, like I said, the Mets out in front, 12 and 2 record. That's really hot starts for both the Mets and the Red Sox this year. Uh, Phillies 9 and 5, Braves 8 and 6, Nationals 7 and 9, Marlins 4 and 11, which is surprising that they're not last, honestly. <laughs> um, Pirates are 11 and 4, Cards 8 and 7, Cubs 7 and 7, they're 500 as well. Uh, Brewers 8 and 8. Reds two and twelve, and then in the NL West, closing it out, we have the D-backs eleven and three, Rockies nine and eight, Giants six and eight, Padres six and ten, and Dodgers four and nine. And as we all know, there is a lot of baseball still. To, oh yeah, still very, to be played a lot. So, I mean, and not too much. Only like <laughs> 150 games. You know, Jeez. it's dwindling. It's, it's, it's honestly this is the you know this is the hard part of the season right here. You got to grind we're through these next that, 150 yeah, games. We're, we're getting really in that do. final stretch. Yep. No rest for these players. There, there's no way. Get no days off. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was crazy. I was looking at the Red Sox schedule and they have, they don't play on one day in April. Like that's the only day they don't have a hey, scheduled game. The dog days of April. What can you say, yep. right? What April, can you do? April, so, April okay. flurries <laughs> bring May flowers or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Here at the Blue and Gold Standard, we like to correct our mistakes we previously oh, made. Course, so I yeah. did find the stats we needed. <laughs> Thank you. So the Trailblazer <laughs> Pelicans, uh, it was 97 to 95. The Pelicans squeaked it out. Anthony Davis had a whopping 35. And Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum only had 18 and 19, which that sounds a little weird saying only, only, only yeah. 18 and 19. But the numbers they put up on a regular night, that is a little bit below average game. For Isn't them. that sad, the standard we have for certain players? Yes. Like LeBron, we literally just said he had 24 points. If yeah. I mean, if Al Horford he had 24 points, yeah. we would be like, oh, my God, where would you come from, Al yeah. Horford? But LeBron has 24 points, like, oh, not yeah. 30? Yeah, yeah. LeBron right. has 24 points, and I tell him he needs to yeah. wake up. <laughs> like, yeah, who was it, that, that guy for the Lakers, Andre Ingram or whatever, 32-year-old oh, yeah, no, rookie? Yeah, he yeah, 22 19, points. No, he had 22 yeah. And he led the first half, and he's just like, everybody's going bananas. Like, that's crazy. They started story, MVP chance for that man. Oh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. I mean, Jeremy Lin, I think, had 17, and everyone's like, oh, my word. <laughs> like, I was listening to people talking about him, and it was just kind of crazy because they're all just like, you think, imagine he's heard how many times he's heard, like, it's time to hang it up. You know, like, <laughs> you're. I mean, talk about a dude who grinds. No, no, one's, no one's ever said that about him, like, on a, on a public radio station. They've never been like, dude. You know, what's Evan Ingram? They're like, I Evan mean, Ingram, it's time. Andre, you know, yeah, Andre Ingram, yeah. it's, it's time for him. I can't I mean, even get his name right. I'm sorry. Ta- yeah. I mean, well, seriously. You think, like, when he gets to, like, 29, 30, <laughs> yeah. like, they're like, mm, 31. Mm, like, listen, right you on. are a really good basketball player, but there is just a certain level <laughs> that you have to think to maybe be Just think, think of, like, just the quality of play he had to have in the G League. And I'm not saying, like, good or bad. Just, like, the level of consistency he had to stay in the G League for that long. Just not being good enough to get into the pros, yeah. but not being bad enough to get moved down or cut. Like, that's incredible. Just maintain yeah. that consistency for that long. He's not too often bet. you usually see a rookie that's probably past his prime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we we've got Andre Ingram now, so we're we're set at that position. We don't got to yeah, worry anymore. Yeah. He's a uh, pretty well developed. He's our rookie veteran leader on the <laughs> team. Uh. Moving on to Loper Athletics, so our recap there. Uh, Loper baseball played Emporia State, Fort Hayes State, and Washburn won all three of scores eleven to three, twenty six to seventeen, and then six to three respectively. So against Fort Hayes, twenty six runs against seventeen runs. I don't think we've seen a score like that in a baseball game in such a long time. Jack, Definitely not you, a close that's a game. football score. I was the one who looked it up, and I was like, wait, am I in the football? Like, oh, no. And Fort Hayes last year, I don't think they would have given up 26 points because they were phenomenal on defense. By the way, Nathan Shepard, Nathan Shepard defensive tackle uh, for Fort Hayes is projected to go third round wow. in, in the NFL draft. He went to the combine, didn't he? Yeah. I think I remember seeing that. Him? Yeah. I did block him. And did you do well? Pancake him? I, it, was the, it was a down block. I didn't have to do much. But I will Fair. tell you. Hear that, scouts? Jack McClay. Hey. Jack McClay, he, he blocked a third rounder. Cleveland. Cleveland's on the phone. No, on I, the line. I, I blocked him twice and and because he played Two on the times. other side. My roommate actually had to block him all day and, and did a really good job. But I mean, my, my roommate's 6'2, like 315. I mean, he looks larger than me and he looked like a little eighth grader compared to this guy. <laughs> this guy's 6'6, six, six, oh, 300 goodness. pounds, and has a six pack. Did he just play D tackle or was he along the line anywhere? No, he he played nose guard. Really, he played nose guard or, or D tackle. He was and he was originally. A, he's got a weird story. Originally a walk on from Canada. Oh, you don't usually hear about a three hundred pounder with a six pack unless he's carrying it. Like that's right, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> no, this guy's that's a freak, insane. and he's going to be unreal in the NFL. All right, and then moving on to Loper softball uh, to Northwest Missouri State, <laughs> the Lopers took two L's, uh, four to five, and then two to three, and then against Missouri Western had one win. 4-0, and then lost 0-3 uh, on the next one. So with that, we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with our guest introduction and our hot topics. So you're listening to the Blue and Gold Standard here on 91.1 KLPR.
said that you were moving on now. Maybe I should do the same. The funny thing about that is, I was ready to give you my name. Thought it was me and you, baby. And now it's all just a shame, and I guess I was wrong. Somebody that could 
gonna make it right Girl, I ain't somebody with a lot of sympathy And now, introducing the man who wants to end world hunger so he doesn't feel bad slamming more hot dogs than Joey Chestnut on a typical Wednesday night. Once mistaken for a lighthouse, the only thing brighter than this kid's future is his skin complexion. The Cambridge Kid, Evan Indianapolis Jones. You guys make me feel like I could run through a wall. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's gosh. what we're aiming for every yeah. time. It does get better every week. Honestly, that's that's the best part of the show right here. Honestly. Sometimes There's I no... don't even know what I'm talking about when I start typing those. <laughs> yeah, how do you think I feel reading this? <laughs> All right. What? So, so, again, welcome to Evan Jones, your return onto the Blue and Gold Standard. How are you feeling today? Great. It's awesome to be here on this Sunday. Yeah, we'd also just like to give a nice little thank you to Evan. I mean, we called him, like, what, an hour ago and yeah, just asked if you, you were scooping snow or yeah, something like that? Yeah, scooping snow. Being a good grandson, Grandma called and needed to scoop some <laughs> snow, so that's what hey, I was doing. Whatever it takes. So, we're glad to have you on. We're going to pick your brain about some other things. You are our expert for the day, so hope you can give us some good uh, tidbits going on. I'll so give my best, that's our, for sure. Our first going into some NFL draft news. Uh, Saquon Barkley is was seen in his local barbershop wearing a New York Giants hoodie. I've also read a couple of articles that the Giants are completely sold that he is the best prospect in this draft. Get, Dave Gettleman, their GM, was actually quoted in saying, in kind of an undercover quote, saying that he expects Saquon Barkley to be wearing a gold jacket in the next 15 years. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think Barkley's worth the hype? I know we've talked about him quite a bit. I think he is because you look at a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, I think Barkley's a better athlete without the off-the-field issues for sure is what I think. Um, and maybe that's why the Browns haven't brought him in for an interview or workout of any kind because they know he's going to be gone with that number two pick. Okay. Do you think that this is maybe a ploy to – bait Cleveland into taking him first, too? Maybe so they, they want someone else? Maybe. That that could be because they, they definitely need a quarterback. They have yeah. some issues there. So that might be a ploy to get them to take Barkley. And then, I mean, there's still some pretty good prospects at the number four spot at quarterback. But definitely, that could be a ploy. Yeah, because I've heard some rumors that Giants aren't looking at a quarterback, even though yeah. this whole season they've been saying, like, yes, they are. <laughs> well, I, well, here's what I think. I think that Cleveland has been so, um, not wishy-washy, but they've been trying to be, like, secretive. You know they make a trade and then they they tweet the eyes like they they want to be they want to be secret they they're we're making moves we're doing we're doing serious power moves I think that other franchises truly don't know what they're like what they're up to I think they're doing a really good job describing it and I think that the Giants like Saquon Barkley but I think they're also like hey let's get a ride like let's take a step let's lay down the law let's find an initiative and let's make them like kind of make a decision because I because let's say they want Saquon Barkley the Browns but they're trying to be all secretive and secret agent and they hear this they're like. Okay, wait, never mind. We actually really like him, so <laughs> can you not do that? So I think that they're, they're making a move because they do like him, but they might be overhyping it to try to get an answer out of Cleveland. Do you think, though, I mean, they, they just signed Jarvis Landry, the Browns did to an extension. Do you think there's any chance that the Browns might swap that pick to get Odell? 
that was something up long that was something that we had talked about on the show before. And uh, personally, I felt that the number one pick is something you can't trade unless you get a bevy of picks for it, and there's a clear cut number one pick. And in this draft, there are a couple of clear number one picks. In my eyes, it's Chubb, Bradley Chubb. But for others, I mean, it's Barkley. For others, it's Sam Darnold. For others, it's Josh Allen. It's it's whoever they want it to be. I have a quick question for you, Austin, though. So if in this draft, if Odell Beckham Jr. right now is in this draft, are you taking him number one overall in the draft pick? Would Coming you, out of would, LSU or like? No, right now. Right now? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Um, would you trade? Because, I mean, a straight up number one pick yes. for Odell, even when you have the number yes. two, that's really enticing yes. if I'm the Giants. If, I mean, if we're talking in the, in the realm of this trade, first off, you're getting Odell at a discounted price, clearly. Like, that's going to be such a good price for you to get him at. That is if he doesn't want the big contract, all that kind of stuff, which he said he won't play with. Um, you trade that second overall pick, what's really the difference you're going to make there? I mean, Odell, they get Saquon Barkley, they get rid of a headache, you gain one, but you also gain a great player who's got his best friend on the same team. He likes Tyrod Taylor. He's retweeted some of Tyrod Taylor's tweets and likes them. I mean, th- it's a good scenario, but I don't know if it's a realistic one. That's the thing, because GMs don't think that way. And being a Panthers fan, Gettleman was the former Panthers GM. He hates dealing with hotheads. Like, he's the guy who got rid of Steve Smith. He's the guy who, uh, you know, kind of made Cam Newton – be Calm a little down. more quiet, yeah. Like, he's he's done a lot of different things getting rid of hot heads, and so it wouldn't surprise me to get rid of Odell, but on draft night, he does not like to make the big splash. That's why I would not be surprised if they took Barkley if he's available at two. I think it's just an interesting scenario all around because there's just so many variables that can go into this draft. There is no clear-cut number one anymore. Two weeks ago, we did a show, and we it sounded like Sam Darnold was for sure going number one, yeah. and nothing has changed on Darnold's end. No injuries, no reports of sickness, no anything like that, and yet he just kind of moved out of the spotlight just like that. It's just so weird how the draft works like that. One thing that kind of scares me with the Saquon Barkley is, yes, he does look like an elite-level running back, like could compete for any team almost this year, but... When you look at running backs that that happens to, yes, there's some that are the top caliber. They never get hurt that bad. Or others, like even David Johnson just sat out the whole last year, which looks like a Saquon Barkley in the NFL. Like if you had to just place him and didn't know what he was going to be like, I'd say a David Johnson would be how he would play. And he was out the whole last season with the ACL injury, right? Wrist. Broken wrist. Broken wrist? Yeah. Okay. But I'm it, all I'm yeah. saying, running back lifetime is average three years. Who, who, if we could think of like our t- the top five, or like I guess you know some like the five durable running backs in this new era of football. You know, probably starting with like Adrian Peterson's pick, you could probably put Adrian Peterson up there. You think Le'Veon Bell, Lashawn McCoy. Um, I can't even think of like a, a fourth guy. I mean, that's honestly just like Chris. I mean, yeah. you could probably put Chris Johnson on there just productivity wise, but he fizzled out. He he wasn't durable in any way. David Steven Johnson, Jackson. Could, yeah, Steve. I mean, yeah, but he was then a again, workhorse for the Rams. But then he fizzled out too. Like he yeah. only lasted six, seven seasons. And it's interesting you bring up that point because you look at the last previous Super Bowl winners. They don't have a like feature back per se. Yeah, yeah. The Patriots run three or four running backs. The Packers run three or four running backs. And the Falcons have two receivers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Devontae Freeman is a great running back, but so they don't use Kevin him. Coleman. Yeah, they don't yeah. use him every single down. So I think you can. I mean, you don't have to take him number one. If he falls to you at four, you might as well give it a shot because I don't really think it's a mess up. But you're totally right that a lot of the great running backs or great you put in quotations come third, fourth round. So here's what I think. We're just talking about running backs because because of the fact that the Browns are – it's kind of are they going to go the running back route or are they going to go the quarterback route? What's what's the move that they're going to take? And defense. What I, yeah, well – and what I keep, what I, oh, who cares about defense? It's all about glamour, <laughs> glamour, right? This is the O lineman, yeah. right? No, uh, but I just am not convinced that, like, I, I, the vibe I'm getting is that they're like, all right, well, here's Tyrod Taylor. He's, 
he's our guy. Like, this is going to be perfect. It's like That's what the here and now is, is that Tyrod Taylor's the way to go. Saquon Barkley's going to be next. I just am not convinced Tyrod Taylor is just like that guy. I don't. I mean, he's a phenomenal runner. You know, he's a playmaker, but I, there's just stuff about him that I don't think is like really the big X factor that's going to take you to the top. He might get you on a on a normal path, might get you out of the the Cleveland Browns era right now, but he's not a guy. I just think they're like, oh, we're going to take him to the top, and I just do I, not agree. I think that's exactly what they expect from him, though. I think that they know that what his limitations are. I think they want him to go. Six and ten, seven and nine. Get them out of the dumps. Yeah. Prepare someone behind him. I just don't know who it is. I hope it's not for their sake. I don't like Sam Darnold. I love Josh Allen. Yeah. I know I'm like in between on Rosen, but I think you can pick up Luke Falk in the second round. I think I'm I'm not a big fan of Mason Rudolph, but I think if he develops for two years yeah. behind Tyrod, I think you can develop him. But Cleveland has just made mistake after mistake drafting quarterbacks. I think that they need to learn that maybe, just maybe, you wait for one. Yeah. And you just yeah. pick whoever is the best available prospects. Whether you think it's Chubb, whether you think it's Barkley or somebody else, if you want to trade out of the first round, if you if you think that you can get Odell with the first overall pick, go ahead and do it. I think that you can, whatever you feel is your best prospect to get, whether that's already on somebody's roster or one of the prospects coming into the draft, I think you have to go do that. Yeah. I think Cleveland's got to be looking at that because, I mean, if they take Chubb, number one overall, which who I think I think me and Austin agree on is the best player in the draft, yes. and then they got Chubb and Miles Garrett on the other side, that's dangerous for the next few years. And then at the four spot, like, they don't even have to take a quarterback then because they, they've risked it. You take whoever falls to you. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick would be an amazing pickup at the four slot. Yeah. I mean, getting coached under Nick Saban, playing in Alabama's defense, that's that's a pro defender already in college you know what you're getting with him and chubb is a low risk high reward pick i feel like yeah. exactly. I mean, he is a phenomenal athlete probably the best prospect in the draft as you guys are saying low end you get five sacks out of him a year i mean i know that's not first overall pick type of hype but i mean there's not a lot of guys you can plug in every single year and just say hey get me five sacks a year i mean that's pretty good and that's a lot like von miller i mean he has really high numbers but you don't necessarily see on the stat sheet what they do if they mm-hmm. just are breaking up passes or making throw them out of bounds and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, and that's why you pay a guy like that a lot of money if they just disrupt plays. I will say the one thing you said about Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Alabama DBs aren't exactly all they're hyped up to be all the time. I mean, if you look back, D. Milliner, one of the biggest draft busts of all time, uh, went six overall to the New York Jets out of the league after two and a half years. Um Haha Clinton Dix has actually proven to be a pretty decent safety. Uh, Mark Barron went to Tampa Bay at number nine. Uh, I think the same, like 2012, 2013, and he fizzled out, and I think he plays for some team now, but as a backup. But with the way Minka Fitzpatrick plays, it's almost like, because he plays almost like a strong safety. He's like a small linebacker guy. Like, he can cover really well, but he hits like a linebacker. I'd put him more like a Alabama defender, like a Devonta, Donta Hightower, and those yeah. guys, like, big SEC defenders. Like, that's what you want with Minka Fitzpatrick. That's who you're getting. Well, I think you run into a lot of problems uh, playing for Alabama. I mean, as, as it goes in any any certain sport and, and then any other great team, is the guys around you can make you look really, really good. You know, when you have incredible D linemen who are who are making them, you know, force the ball, and oh, you, yeah. you have incredible linebackers who can read plays and, and take away the middle of the field entirely, it can make your job pretty easy. So the fact that Alabama has busts is – you know, seems surprising, but in reality, it's not. Because if you can get a guy and a good defense and, and a good mix of guys, because you never know what the fact... I mean, the fact of the matter is maybe they had bad recruiting that year, they ran into injuries, that person gets, gets put on the field, and then they're a beast. And, and you what, say, oh, wow, and then they come into the NFL, a higher caliber, a higher caliber you know, organization, and don't play on such a high-powered defense, you, they're going to get exposed a little bit. So, I mean, it is surprising when those guys bust, but it's also not. 
moving on uh, to our next point. So what beats uh, Alabama defenses? Athletic quarterbacks. And the most athletic quarterback coming into this draft is Lamar Jackson. Clearly, far and away. New England has actually had some pretty secretive stuff going on there. Holding secret meetings with Baker Mayfield. Flying him out from Texas all the way in the middle of the night to go work out in Boston. Flying him back in the middle of the day. An eight-hour trip. They did that a couple weeks ago. We talked about it last week on the show. This week, it's all Lamar Jackson. Tom Brady is commenting and liking all of uh, Lamar Jackson's posts on Instagram, as well as the posts he's tagged in on the NFL page. Uh, Bill Belichick spoke high praises for a quarterback coming in that may or may not be there at the time that New England's going to draft him. Right. New England did make a trade uh, with the Rams for a first-round pick. They now hold two first-round picks. Is this the type of season that we go see the Patriots trade up and try to get Lamar Jackson? See, this could be that season. Like, if it was any other year, if Josh McDaniels would have went to coach the Colts, I'd say, ah, oh, no way. Bill Belichick's going to get as many draft picks as he can. He's going to just get the more bang-for-your-buck type guys, which he always does every year. But this year, I'd say with Josh McDaniels getting in control of things and having more power, he's going to want to get his quarterback because Bill's not going to be there forever. Is Lamar Jackson his quarterback, though? Looks just like a type of Jacoby Brissett, but faster and can throw better. Like he's Jacoby Brissett 5.0, like I, yeah. elite level. Well, here's something you could think about. Maybe maybe uh, Bill Belichick would use him to make the easy trend. It's like it's okay. Let's look at a let's look at a story. You got this great dog. You've had it your whole entire life. Yeah, it's getting a little old. Okay, night. But you're like, oh, I don't want to be so sad. And the kids are gonna be sad. We might have to implement a little puppy, just a little <laughs> high energy, high strung, make the transition really easy, take some, yeah, no, this is real life. Because I hope your kids never hear this, because they're going to know your plan know. right through. Are you kidding me, Dad? <laughs> no, okay, no, but hear me out, here's here's what I'm thinking, so Tom Brady is, is it doesn't seem like it, but he is getting older, and his, his yeah. time, like it doesn't seem like it, is probably coming towards an end. Is is Lamar Jackson, like the, oh, the perfect face, he's going to take over, he's going to be the new Tom Brady? No, but you can use Lamar Jackson in a lot of different ways. A, you can add, you can add a completely different game to the Patriots' offense. You sprinkle Lamar Jackson in a little bit, like you're going to see Tom Brady all day. He's not exactly the fastest guy, great arm and everything, but then you just you all of a sudden you put this the sprinkle of speed and and electricity, and it's going to make a huge difference. Are you talking like Wildcat, just like coming in for a couple? I mean, of a plays Wildcat, or? but it's I mean, let them go a couple series, and I yeah. think and I think not only is it going to bring a different aspect. But it's also these are snaps that you can take off Tom Brady and extend his his career even longer, you know. And 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 I think he's a guy that, like I said, he's just a good little compliment to him, just a good little changeup. And I think Belichick loves the fact that he hasn't changed his mind about playing quarterback as well. I think he really admires that. Yeah. And you know he's got the speed. He does all these nice things. It's not like he's a terrible passer, but being in an offense and learning from Tom Brady, who else can you learn from yeah. that's better? Yeah. Yeah. Right. No kidding. I yeah. mean, it, it, and as we've talked about. I mean, outside of the radio show, outside of classes and stuff, Belichick is setting up this franchise for whoever takes next. Just no problems, really. Right. All the draft picks, players they have. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, that'll be a pretty good backup or in the future the starter. Right. And when yeah. you look at Josh McDaniels, like, past draft, like when he was at the Broncos, he took a chance on Tim Tebow, which is a dual-threat type of guy. And Lamar Jackson is just absolutely a Josh McDaniels-style quarterback. Right. All right, Evan, we've talked about it a lot, us three, uh, when you have been on the show. And, I, I mean, it's just kind of an open-ended question. Do you think that, in your own opinion, Lamar Jackson is, A, like, do you, A, think he should stay a quarterback? And, B, if, if it's, yeah, like, do you think that it's hurting him at all by saying, like, I refuse to do anything else but quarterback? I think it is hurting him based on 30 teams, but there might be 15 teams that like the fact that he wants to play quarterback. Right. Yeah. Like, 
it might diminish his ability to get drafted higher because some teams might want to use him for whatever. I mean, just kind of a jack of all trades, master of none type of player. Mm-hmm. But Cordell Stewart. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Cordell Stewart. But I think there's some GMs that are like, well, this guy is pretty darn good. And I'm not saying he's Cam Newton at all. But he has some similar things that Cam Newton right. can do. Way for faster. Sure. Oh, would, way he's, faster. He's, I would yeah. say he's more athletic than Cam. Yeah, just like the reading and reading plays and that kind of a thing. Cam's a better passer, but there's some definite similarities that they want to play quarterback. So if you're Lamar Jackson, which you guys do look pretty similar, if you guys if you are <laughs> Lamar, if you are Lamar Jackson, what do you do? Do you say that I I want to play quarterback, or, or are you open to the option? I would say I want to play quarterback. I think there's been so many people that are just like, no, you shouldn't do this, but. I tell you what, he'd probably make a pretty darn good wide receiver. But if I was him in his shoes, the way that quarterbacks are getting paid also, I'd yeah. probably want to play quarterback. That's true. I mean, and I don't remember what Michael Vick's 40 time was, but Lamar Jackson said, I would have ran a 4-3 yeah. if you needed to know my 40 time. And I believe him. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, believe him. There's no. <laughs> do you think Lamar, like, I'm just pure speculation right now. I mean, if you're just looking at Lamar Jackson, do you think he would have been a first-round receiver had he played receiver? Yes. I think if he played receiver in college, he'd probably be a first-round wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, is, got, the, he's got the size. Well, is is that just speed. is that just us speculating? I mean, we yeah, are we are common folk. We yeah. are not NFL GMs. No. Like, do you think that's what they're looking at? If that, he played receiver for Louisville, I don't know. But I mean, just off of pure speculation. I mean, we're mm-hmm. literally just you know doing the exact same thing. NFL GMs are playing in their head. They're like, oh man, that guy could be a first-round receiver. Like, he looks like a, a oh, yeah. guy that could be first-round. He looks like a football player, like Tim Tebow. Yeah, like, I mean, just a straight-up yeah. football player. So that's, you a great, take, that's a great answer. Yeah, you well, take a risk on and a guy you, like yeah, that. Yeah, you can take that chance because his, like, oh, I guess, do we know for a fact how good his hands are? Mm-hmm. No. But what we do know is that he is electric and arguably one of the most athletic athletes we've ever seen in college football. So you have to just assume, using common knowledge, this guy can probably catch a ball, and, when, and if he does catch the ball, when the ball's in his hands, he's going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, also, like, Tim Tebow wouldn't play tight end. Like, mm-hmm. he was very, like, Not certain about him. that. Like, he wanted he to hit always, homers instead. Always, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Let's go Mets, I guess. But, yeah, and then uh, Cam Newton, he'd been dang good tight end. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah, he would not have enjoyed that. But <laughs> he, he caught a touchdown at Auburn, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's year. right. Um. <laughs> So, moving on from one receiver to the next, uh, Lamar Jackson playing receiver. Let's go to a receiver that's actually playing. Uh, Des Bryant cut by the Dallas Cowboys. So, he uh, reportedly left the facility saying something along the lines of, I'll see you guys twice a year. But now it's kind of becoming apparent that no teams in the NFC East really want him. The New York Giants haven't reportedly said anything about their availability or whether or not they want him. Washington says that they are not interested in Philadelphia, does not have the cap space for him unless he wants to take a major pay cut. Jack, what do you got? Well, before we get into the actual details of his of his skill on the field, it's this is something about Des Bryant is I think people just cannot get over his attitude. When I think of Des Bryant, I think of I think I turned it I turned a Dallas Cowboys game on, and Tony Ro- and I'm trying to think. Oh, so Tony Romo throws an interception with uh, two minutes remaining in the game, and so now it's kind of it's sealed. It's you know it's sealed. It's it's over. And the first thing they go to is Des Bryant running to the locker room. Game's not over. He's taken off. He's whatever. They end up getting the ball back, and they go out there, and Des Bryant is nowhere to be found. He's just in the locker room. Hmm. I mean that that just gives a really good reflection on the type of attitude he has. And I think if you are going to have an attitude like that and you're going to be all about yourself and, and you and not, and not even – I understand this is the pros. It's not like, oh, give my heart for this team. But you got to care about your team. You have to care about the, the overall game of football is a team game. So I think there's a lot of people out there who are saying, you're really good, you're huge, you have all the credentials, but 
I don't want to take a chance on your attitude because I don't want you to, to mess up our team. Dude is one of the hardest workers in the NFL, though. That's what people have yeah. said, that he works on his craft harder than anybody else. Right. But, I mean, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. This is his first season in a long time that he's played all 16 games. Right. And, and I would say if I'm Dez, I'm going to a place where I know I'm going to win and there's not a lot of pressure. And I know I'm going to get the ball. And I know I'm going to get the ball because any of those NFL or the um, NFC East teams – I don't know if you really get the ball that much. I mean, the Eagles, but he'd have to take a pay cut, obviously. He'd have to take a pay cut, and he's dealing with young guys. Yep. Green Bay. That's Aguilar. Only, that's the only see, team where he's going to get Green the ball. Bay. Yeah, yep. but they, have, they don't have cap space. They don't have cap space unless he wants to sign for less also. They did save some money getting rid of Jordy, but you're in the exact same situation with like you were getting rid of Jordy because they want to make some moves and do some things like that. But teams that come to mind are the Packers and the Patriots because you know you're going to get the ball at New England. Okay, this is a part of the show, once again, where we start talking about every NFL free agent Austin, ever I'll, going to the okay, Panthers. I know. It's, yeah. it's true, every though, time. But it awesome. What are your thoughts on the Panthers, though? I think it, so the well, Panthers that's actually something that, like, I didn't want to sound like a homer at all, but I think he fits in perfectly with the Panthers. I mean, again, we don't have Gettleman as a GM who gets rid of hotheads. Like, we are open to bringing in new people. Um, we, we are open to hotheads. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, actually, yeah. That's actually kind of what kind of what the process of what they're going into. Right. And they don't have a lot of cap space, but they do have a lot more than the Eagles do, and that's, I think, a big issue. And I think if you can convince Des Bryant that you want to go to Carolina, play with Cam Newton, there's not a lot of guys in the NFL that say they don't like Cam Newton and don't want to play with him. Like, he's he's a charismatic guy. Yeah. He cares about his team, and although he does have his, like, ups and downs, and when he's down, he's down for a while, there's not a – and he loves big-body receivers. Des is, like, almost the quintessential receiver that Cam would want. I see him more going to the Texans. I think he wants to stay in Texas and kind of show that – media market that he can still play and still do it because there's no if you can't get back in the nfc east the easiest way to get back at dallas is to be in the newspaper every week right yeah i actually tweeted out right after the news broke that des got cut and i said des to the blank question mark and i had a few responses one said cowboys please just to be a dirty cruel joke now it's clay jones uh ike stone and parker both said patriots and then uh timmy schreiner said the Bears, of course, like that's his team. But uh, Kane, actually, our recurring guest, said Eagles or Redskins, he's definitely going to want to stay in the division. He said he want to see him twice a year. But there, there like has that. to be mutual interest. Yeah. I mean, clearly he well, wants I mean, to stay he in the can, Yeah, he yeah. can stay there. Yeah, he, he the can team, do that. The team that makes quite a bit of sense to me is probably the Redskins. I mean, just because of all the Josh Norman, Des Bryant commercials that they've been doing. That'd be like, hilarious. Because they hate each other, but I think they're good friends. Yeah. Like, that's what I'd assume. With all those commercials, and that'd be a good. Who's gonna be the quarterback for the Redskins, though? Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Okay, yeah. that's what I figured. I mean, I don't think they would get along very well. He did, well. Get, <laughs> he did get thrown in around last season. Oh yeah, but. and especially Dez, he's more of an intermediate type of wide receiver anyway. Exactly. I think we're we're all looking on the wrong side of the country right now. I mean, clearly to me, it's it's Houston or it's San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, no one's talked about San Francisco yet, but they have clearly. I mean, other than Cleveland and maybe another team out there, they have won the offseason. There's not a team that's play, that's, you know, organized better right now. There's not a team on paper that looks like they can improve and make the playoffs, especially in the NFC West that's becoming more and more of an arms race every single week. Why not add in another weapon? I mean, you're trying to compete against the Rams, who just got to keep to leap, who's a press corner. You're going to need physical receivers to get by him and um Marcus Peters, again, another physical corner. You're going to need a strong receiver to get by him. So if you're San Francisco, your best receiver right now is who? Marquise Goodwin, who's a speed receiver. He's not getting off the line against either of those two. Get Des Bryant, put one guy on one side, and hopefully Goodwin can, you know, break by a couple of times. Give Garoppolo an option on those games. You're going to have a tough time against the Rams. Why not give him a go-to option in Des Bryant? They have the money to do it. 
Um, living on the West Coast is super easy. The only problem is Dez has been very open about how he likes his money. And living in California, your taxes are through the roof. So clearly he doesn't want to truly live there. So I could see him going to Florida, somewhere in Texas. But if all else fails, I think the 49ers could offer him a contract that he just can't refuse. All right, so moving on to the NBA playoffs, we are going to kind of play a quick game here of uh, we're describing a team's playoff chances in one word or less. So we're going to start just going down the list. Jack, you want to lead us off here? <clears throat> yes, I would. <laughs> so the team I chose three teams, and that was the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, and the San Antonio Spurs. So starting with the Cavs, my one word, LeBron. Okay. Why LeBron? Fair. Because LeBron is the only possible way that they can win any game and any title. I mean, the, they, I think they have a really good chance because they have really good complement complimentary players surrounding them. But with that being said, you have to have your star. You have to have your king to lead you through the whole entire final. So LeBron is the only way. When I look at Miami, the word that comes to my mind is depth. You're looking at Goran Dragic, Justice Winslow, Hassan Whiteside, Dwayne Wade, Deion Waiters. I mean, they have a, they have plenty of people, and that is the way. Is if they can if they can win win a series, they're gonna have depth. They're gonna have energy that some of these teams won't have. Cleveland probably being one of them, and and depending on how uh, the Warriors stay healthy or not, which I know you'll talk about yeah. that in a little bit. I mean, it could be them too. These guys are gonna be grinded out a little bit. I think depth is a really huge thing right now because there's a lot of injuries going on. Can they utilize that depth though? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, they're gonna have to be playing really well. Like we said, Dwayne Wade's playing. Better than he has in a long time. It, I mean, probably as good as he was the last time he was in Miami. So, because um, it's great to have good players, but unless they're not playing well, I mean, right. that's 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 part of the right. depth and, issue. And these and that's that's a problem is these guys who have a lot of depth aren't your consistent superstars. They're, yeah. they're good players. They have good nights, but they got to put it all together. Kind of like the Celtics in these last couple of years. I know it was really kind of their main guy, but they had a lot of young guys who would come out and if they were all playing well, they could they could do incredible things. Uh, my last one is San Antonio, and, and I use pawn. Because when you play chess, you have pawns, and you, and you take your pawns, and you just kind of try to get them eliminated and, and beat them down and, and try to open up the king and open up the, the heavy the heavy artillery to yeah. try to eliminate <laughs> them. And so yeah. San Antonio is sitting there saying, okay, we're not going to beat the Warriors, so let's just beat them down. It's like it's like the, the underdog entirely. I think that without Kawhi Leonard, without – you know, I just don't think they have the components to beat a team like the Warriors. So the best bet is just to knock them down. Probably sprained an ankle or, or a back or something like that. Go Zaza up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just trying to get, yeah. And, then, and then maybe they'll be more, more vulnerable going into the finals. Fair enough. All right, Evan, what do you got for us? All right, the three teams I chose, OKC, New Orleans, and San Antonio. First for OKC, bench. And I should have put question mark, like bench? Bench? Because they, I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> yeah, because they don't have a lot. When your probably best offensive player off the bench is the bowling ball Raymond Felton, you're not going to have a lot of success. Jeremy Grant is a great bench player also but you're going to get maybe four or five points per game and some good defense. They don't have anyone who can just come off the bench and get buckets, which is an issue in the playoffs because a lot of times those teams that go a long ways, they have great bench players. Warriors, their first title, Andre Iguodala took over that finals, and he yep. was a bench player. Um, moving on to New Orleans, pace is the name of the game for them. Before Boogie Cousins got hurt, they were number one in the league in pace. They still are, but they've ramped it up even more. Last night I watched them, and they're never on primetime television, so this was one of the first times I've seen them. They get a shot up with about 16 seconds left on the shot clock just about every possession. Wow. It's two passes max and then a shot, and it's a good shot too because they run a lot of sets, a lot of screens. Um, so for them, and also what's been extremely impressive is they start Rondo and Holiday in the backcourt, and a lot of times it's Rondo into Holiday. Holiday is not tall, 
but man, he is strong, and they just post him up right. against. Yeah. Especially with McCollum guarding him, it's a problem because they just give it to him, and he scores in the post. I think he had 13 in the first half last night. And Drew Holiday was an all-star. He's not anymore. Averaging like 12 a game, but I mean, he's putting up big numbers I mean, already. Yeah, to play. that's so solid. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's not. Yeah, and that's not it's bad. The same at thing all. we were saying earlier. Yeah. I mean, like, he puts up 12 points a game, but that's that's what he should be expected right. to do oh, at yeah. this point right. in his career. That's yeah. great numbers for him. Yeah, and absolutely. And if they can give um, AD a break in this series, if they're able to come away with a victory in this series, that's huge. For San Antonio, I chose them, and I chose the word confused. <laughs> and it's not necessarily what's happening on the court. It's off the court with Kawhi Leonard. Oh, yeah. When they asked Greg Popovich uh, if he'd be back, he's like, you're going to have to ask Kawhi's group. What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. the head that be coach. Yeah, what, yeah, like what What does that mean? Because Kawhi has been this reserve guy who seemed like he was so loyal, and now you have no idea because he doesn't speak to the media either, and it's just confusing. And I don't know if it really broke their chemistry because when you have guys like Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, they're just like, forget him. Like yeah. Let's, yeah. let's just keep playing. And I've been here too that, long. That's yeah. what I mean. That's yeah. what those veterans will say. But then, of course, like you want to bring in younger guys. Like Aldridge is like, I came here to play with Kawhi. I yeah. didn't come here to play with you know yeah. Tony Parker, the ageless wonder. Yeah. You know, who barely <laughs> and, plays anymore. And that's why I think Aldridge might go to Dallas after this year. But I mean, it's just a weird situation where you're like, well, if they had Kawhi during this series against the Warriors, they might be able to beat the Warriors oh, yeah. with that roster. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. Because this roster is a joke. But if you throw Kawhi on it, you're like, holy cow, this roster is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. built around Kawhi Leonard. Oh, isn't yeah. that crazy? Like, it, Kawhi yeah. is almost like a mini LeBron in his own way. Like, yeah. they, the, yeah. the Spurs have built this team to yeah. play with Kawhi. Because it's perfect because Danny Green should score nine points per game shooting five three-pointers and hitting three of them because he's wide open in the corner. Yes. Right. I mean, and then you look at uh, Murray. He's played really well, I've thought, and he could probably be averaging more points per game if he had a guy that could shoot the ball like Kawhi from the outside and just open up lanes. And then that's why I'm just so confused with not necessarily what's on the court but off the court. No one knows what's going on, and that's just – really odd for well, the Spurs. I th- yeah, I think that I think the reason why we talk about that, because that's such a good point about how when Kawhi's not playing, it's like, oh, these guys are terrible, and then he's on, like, these guys are great. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's their only true hybrid player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, Tony Parker's getting old, manageable, but they're old. They want to stay out and shoot threes. Danny Green's a three-point shooter. LaMarcus Aldridge is, is a post player. He can kind of step out, but mm-hmm. not really. Like Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's the guy who, who brings it all together. He's truly like the remaining puzzle piece, the glue of that team, so his impact is, that's why, I mean, he's been hurt, so you can't judge it, but He's a guy who, being a most valuable player, is very, very, very prominent in his in his team. Well, yeah, and Aldridge, he shoots the ball like 20 times a game. With Kawhi, he'd shoot 15 times probably per game, and he'd probably shoot close to 65%. Yeah. That dude can get buckets, but if he has space, he can get way more buckets. Yeah, exactly. All right, Wyatt, what do you got for us? All right, my first team I got on here is uh, Washington, the Wizards, and the first word that comes to my head in this playoffs is underrated. They're an eight seed right now. And I honestly think they can take down the Raptors. They're one of the better teams in the East. You like this matchup, don't you, Evan? I love this matchup because there's been so much pressure on the Raptors winning that first game. They might be on an emotional high in a bad way is what I'm saying. They were so worried about winning game one, and the Wizards still almost stole it. And yeah. I didn't think the Wizards play very, played very well yesterday. And, I didn't and think, the I'm fouls not, and I, yeah. in that game were really different. And I'm not saying that the Raptors played well. I think they played poorly, too. I think it was just an ugly game, and it came down to whoever wanted it more because the officiating was, was not great in that game. Either way, I felt like it was just kind of eerie. But I think the Wizards... I think they have more than the Raptors. Everyone talks about this Raptors bench mob, but I, I and I get they score a lot of points, but I still think the Wizards physically are more I don't know, stingy, I guess I'd say. I think the Wizards are more physically dominated. Yeah, because the Wizards they always they don't have that much of a bench, but I mean with John Wall, their best player on their team out for two months during the regular season, that helps their bench even that little mm-hmm. bit. And mm-hmm. John Wall plays like 
the whole game anyways. Like, yeah. And Zadaransky played horribly yesterday, yeah, and he's been – and, and no one knows who he is still, but he's one of the most efficient, like, three assists per one turnover. That's, like, the highest well, in the league right now. I think he's, like, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty tall for a point guard. Yeah, so. and especially going against DeLon Wright, who's long and lanky too mm-hmm. off the bench for the Raptors. But that's – I mean, I think it'll go seven games. I really do. All right. And then uh, for Boston, I put fake ID – because this is not the Boston team that when you think oh, of the no, Celtics. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Boston. Oh, yeah, Kyrie. Uh, they got Gordon Hayward, right? Oh, no, none of them. None yep. of them. Nobody. It's Al Holford's team now. He's ready. <laughs> yeah. He's ready to take him to the promised land. <laughs> exactly. Watch him get finals MVP. He's going to prove us all wrong. I think it'd be no question who makes the Eastern Conference finals if Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving were healthy. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. it would be clear I think it would be the Boston first seed, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The finals. Out of that side? Yeah, because oh, you, yeah. you would bring Tatum and probably Jalen Brown both off the bench. Yeah. yeah, That would be a problem for a lot of teams if yeah. you have two stout dudes like and that. And now when you make – I mean, again, it's just a point argument we've been having the whole day. I mean, if you make Jalen Brown have to score 30 points a game to make games competitive, you are not going to win very many series or many games in a series yeah. for that matter. Yeah, Brown should be a 10-10 and 10 guy. Yeah, Especially absolutely. when you're playing mm-hmm. – against this next team I have is Milwaukee Bucks and the word I have for them is budding like a flower they're not quite there yet they're growing like the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo he's playing at an elite level but he has another level I believe he can get past this and play even higher and be able to carry teams like LeBron used to like just garbage teams like oh seven LeBron when he carried like Shannon Brown, Larry Hughes, Larry Hughes, yeah, <laughs> that team, like, Peplovich. I, I mean, was Andrzej on that team? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anderson Vergeau was yeah, on that team. Yeah, he was the be- the second best player on that <laughs> team, was. which is saying Wait, something. Ilgalskis, <laughs> come on, <laughs> yeah, the seven Big foot Z? six wonder. They, they just had to get the most unique names on that roster. They're like, hey, someone's got to learn these guys' names. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much what I believe Jonas would be capable of, capable of in the future, because like. Yep. And might I mention, Eric Bledsoe's an X-factor. Yes. Oh, yeah. He can yeah. wear – I mean, Terry Rozier, fantastic year backing up. Eric Bledsoe is way better, way more physical. I think he's going to wear him down. And then Deli Skrilla. Deli Skrilla. <laughs> he's got here. that veteran experience. He's, yeah. the, he's the best there. free agent sign Milwaukee's <laughs> had in years. Deli seriously, like, passed out and clapped just from working so hard. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he literally tried as hard as physically possible after a game. Like, that guy is a workhorse. Yeah, if there's one player <laughs> Steph doesn't want to see in the finals, it is Deli Skrilla. 100%. <laughs> yes. He is frightened of him. Oh, my gosh. And then my next team I have is Houston, and all I put for a word is a question mark because you don't know what you're going to get from Houston. Like, yeah, you have a really good team. They're the best team. team. Yeah, best team this year, regular oh, season. But then you got two perennial guys that just aren't there in the playoffs. Like, Chris Paul doesn't make Western Conference Finals usually, even when no. he's with the Clippers. And then James Harden just disappears in the playoffs. And I think with them, the health concern is Chris Paul. Because I think the most consecutive games in a row he has played is like 15 and then he sits out or is injured. And that's a problem because they are not the same without him. Like, they won a lot of games, mm-hmm. but when it comes to the playoffs and it's officiated differently, the defense is more intense. James Harden, you look at some of those teams, they're going against Washington, or not Washington, excuse me, Minnesota this first round. If he gets hurt, Chris Paul, you throw Jimmy Buckets, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague on James Harden, that's a trio of guys that's hard to get around. Yeah, yeah. And Cat, like, I mean, yeah. you've got these... The thing that Minnesota, like, for Minnesota, I'm actually going to skip to them right quick because they're my word I had for unproven because mm-hmm. they have a lot of guys that, like, everybody's saying, like, oh, yeah, uh, Andrew Wiggins, next Michael Jordan, like, next LeBron, like, mm-hmm. going to be ballers. Cat, uh, he's the only one that's kind of proved himself. Carl Anthony Towns is probably the best center in the game. Jimmy Butler, insane. Uh, Derek Rose, chunk knee. But yeah. 
Uh, Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson. I mean, you talk about toughness. <laughs> the 2010 I, Bulls is the word I almost <laughs> yeah, put. Yeah, but think, and I think that's the thing that's interesting because I don't look at the Rockets as a tough team. I look at the T Wolves as a tough team because yeah. Jimmy Buckets is one of the most physical dudes. Taj Gibson is scary, and I don't know. They're going to have PJ Tucker on Taj Gibson. I still think Taj Gibson's way tougher. Yeah, yeah. the thing if I'm the Rockets, like you look at this matchup, you got to know that like it's either going to be a three point barrage, Houston's going to kill them every game, or they have four games off shooting. Mm-hmm. You know what this, you know what this series this reminds me of is a couple of years ago when Golden State and Memphis would play every yes. year because Memphis was just a grinding team. They would halt everything Golden State had going. This is before the KD era, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, they, I think Memphis, if I remember right, took them to a six-game series the year they won it, and the year they won seventy-three games took them to a five-game series. But each game was won by six points or less. Yep. And it was just it was a ridiculous series because you look at the rosters, you're like, there's no way mm-hmm. because Memphis does not. They have Zach Randolph and Marcus All as their best players. Yep. And you've got Steph Clay and Draymond on the other side, and then Memphis just would gr- continually just tough it out and would just beat them down. And that's exactly what Minnesota looks like to me but way more talented than any Memphis team that they played. I do got to say, though, for Minnesota to win this series, which I don't think they will. I think it'll go six games. Wiggins has got to put up 20 or more every single game if they're yes. going to win the series. He can't be hiding. And I think the first two games. 20 and 10. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think he's going to be hiding those first two games. I think Jimmy Buckets is going to have to take him aside and say, you have to do something. Because I don't know, looking across, who's going to defend him. Probably Trevor Ariza, I would guess, maybe. <laughs> and then if you put James Harden on Jimmy Buckets, that's a post-up nightmare for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, 100%. And then I'll go back to my final team. That's Portland, the Trailblazers. And this is one word. It's backcourt. That's the only thing you got to worry about yep. from Portland. Yeah, is that you need Dame Dalla and CJ McCollum to drop about 30 or 40 every night for yeah. you to win. When your starting power forward is Al Farouk Aminu, you're not going to be doing too well in the <laughs> yeah. playoffs probably. And that's not a knock against Al Farouk Aminu. He should just be on the bench is all I'm saying. Yeah, great bench player. Oh, yeah. Fantastic player. Great athlete, just it, not a starting power forward. And you know what's a real shame is that I think D. Lillard is one of the best players and one of the best like underrated players in the entire game. No one gets to see Portland play. Everyone hears about Portland. But yet he always has to go up against just like monsters in the playoffs. Last year he, I mean he came against the buzzsaw that was the Golden State Warriors, and then just every single year just feels like you know CJ McCollum's off or Lillard has like a bum ankle. And ever since that playoff series where he hit the game winning three, I can't remember who they played. Was it the Rockets? They was it the, the Rockets in that Rockets. series? Yeah, yeah because the they Rockets. hit that in the game seven, and it was a it was a big win, all that kind of stuff. It was game six, but yeah. was it game six? I, yeah, he rapped about it in one of his songs. Yeah, but yeah. either way, <laughs> that's how I know. <laughs> but either way, I mean. I just feel like we're un- we just can't appreciate how great this guy is actually playing every single year. All right, so moving on, I'm going to talk about my uh, team. So I've got Golden State, Toronto, Philadelphia, Utah, and Indiana. So for Golden State, uh, their playoff chances really hinge on one word, ankles. It's truly Steph Curry or, or nothing lack else. Their, or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, honestly, lack thereof of, of the ankles, if I'm being completely honest, because you know I wanted to say like lockbox, like it's safe. It's safe that they're going to get to the finals right. or Western Conference finals, but... It's truly just how worried and how much the Golden State Warriors players talk about Steph Curry and how they're like, yeah, we're a different team without him is kind of concerning for me being a fan. They did go 6-10, and 7-10 and 10 or whatever the record was when Curry's been out with that MCL or, uh, yeah, the grade 2 MCL sprain. And then he's also just had bum ankles throughout all playoff series, no matter, regardless of any time that he's played. Uh, I just, it, it's worrisome as a fan, but also, like, if you are the Western Conference, you're you're excited because... Never have we ever seen a team with three all-stars have one of them go down, or four all-stars, and have one of them go down, and people are like, yeah, we got a chance to beat them. Like, yeah. that's never happened. What, what super team is out there? Like, I, yeah. I just think that that's a ridiculous argument now. 
Uh, moving on to Toronto, so the Toronto Raptors, uh, I use guillotine because I really, I really like this analogy we're going to go. Everyone's going to follow me here. So guillotine, because when you remove a king from his throne, the first thing you have to do, if you go back to the old French days, cut off his head. You have to go through Cleveland to get this Eastern like Conference title. You have to get through Cleveland. You have to beat the king. So you got to go guillotine. You can't go timidly into a guillotine. you got to go right. all in, you know, head first, you know, for a lot of worst phrase. But you have, you have to be prepared to do everything possible to beat the best. And right. LeBron is the best. They've won the Eastern Conference for the past – I mean, LeBron himself has won the Eastern Conference the past yeah. seven, eight years, something along those lines. Someone's got to beat him. Why not this year, Toronto? Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, I'm going to take their first word of their uh, moniker, trust. You have to trust in yourselves. You have to trust in everything that you've put on there. It's so tough for a team to go in and just understand like what you are all about, especially going into a third seed for a team that's that young. They've never been in a scenario like this before. It's, it's insane to see a Philadelphia 76er team, like you said at the beginning, go from basically the Cleveland Browns of the entire yeah. association all the way up to the third seed of the Eastern Conference above the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they played a great game against Miami last night. And I think the most interesting thing about this team, everyone talks about how young they are, which is unbelievably true because they are so young, but they do not look scared at all. No. I mean, like Ben Simmons, obviously, probably one of the most arrogant guys in the league, but he, rightly so. I mean, he's a yeah. great player. Markel Fultz, he doesn't say a lot. But the dude is still having problems with his jump shot and still goes right at the rim as hard as he yeah. can. Yeah. And when you have a guy, I think the leader of that group is honestly J.J. Redick because he's always been a dude that plays with a chip on his shoulder yeah. and does not care. Yeah, well, because he's had to. He was, I mean, he, that's what we talked about. We've talked, I think, off the show how J.J. Redick is a guy who, who really is transformed. I mean, he was just a straight spot up, kind of Kyle Korver mm-hmm. type. Yeah, but he wasn't he had as a good. three with your hand in his pocket. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't as good as Kyle Korver, so he had, he had to conform. He had to be a little bit better. And now here he is, like kind of a slasher type. Yeah, hits his threes, but has no problems driving to the rim, going in strong. So I think that he's he's a guy who can say, "Hey, like you can do it. Don't feel yeah. like you can't do it." And Co- I did it, and I like Covington a lot. Yeah, because like yeah. that, yeah. he has worked his way up, and he's told all these guys, "Like, hey." Um, I'm not that great of a player. I don't know if he, I mean, like, obviously he doesn't he say stuff like that. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. say that, but he knows that he's not that great of a player, but he works so hard at his yeah. craft. One of the best shooters, probably one of the best 3 and D guys in the league just because he works so hard. Yeah. And again, I mean, that's what you have to be when you are those young guys, the Fultz, Embiid, and Simmons. you got to rely on J.J. Redick to get you through these tough times in yeah. these games. Not every game you're going to win by 24 points. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right, so for the next one, I've got the Utah Jazz International. Evan, I'm going to let you take this one because I couldn't <laughs> think of a word, but you're going to take it now. Okay, so. with, with the Jazz, I mean, their international talent is obviously unreal. Rudy Gobert, who I think is probably the defensive player of the year, unbelievable season. Dante Exum. If anyone remembers that name, he was one of the top five picks a few years back. He's coming around. Like, he's going to be one of their playoff X-Factors. Joe Ingles, everyone hates that guy, but he's a fantastic (laughs) player. I don't know if there's anyone who's not his teammate that likes Joe Ingles, honestly. Because he's – but those are the type of guys you want on a playoff team. Is someone that they just hate. Everyone needs a Zaza. All right, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Everyone needs a Zaza. You think of guys like Zaza Pachulia, Matt Barnes, and Matt jo- Barnes. That's a great everyone hated Matt Barnes <laughs> yeah, yeah. unless you were on his team. Matt yeah. Barnes is an animal. I love Matt. Barnes. Oh yeah, I love him too. Matt like, Barnes is a beast. Scumbag. I love Matt Barnes. Like I would. That'd be one of the first guys I'd pick on my team if I needed like a glue guy. I would take Matt Barnes. Or if you ever needed to go like protect yourself <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, in love, yeah. then you would pick yeah. Matt Barnes. Yeah, and then Ricky Rubio. I, yeah. Everyone thought he was going to get traded once Donovan Mitchell started coming along, but yeah. we've learned that Donovan Mitchell is probably a two in this league and probably always will be, and it's working perfectly. 
for yeah. that for that. Well, system. I mean, in Rick, if there's one. Okay, Ricky Rubio has had a really up down career, but there's one thing that stays consistent with Ricky Rubio. He is a phenomenal passer. Oh yeah, playmaker, and, ex, ex, expert for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it just can dish the ball to anyone, and why not dish it to Donovan Mitchell? I think they're a really good one-two punch. Mm-hmm. Finally, for the Indiana Pacers, I have I'm stealing it from Jack. He gave me the one again. My Alexa, you know, Jack yeah, Jack yeah. McClay, shock, because. To win in the playoffs, Indiana literally has to do that three times, four times if they make it to the finals, yeah. which I don't think any of us expect them to do. But that's what they've been doing all year, and that's what everyone is kind of expecting them to do if they do win. Right now, they just shocked the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think if they win another game, it's going to shock everyone. If they go into the next series and the next series after that, every single time they will always be underdogs. No one will ever yeah. believe in them. What I think is so hilarious about this team is no one anticipated them even making the playoffs because nope. everyone thought that trade they made for Paul George for Victor Oladipo. It was atrocious. And, yeah, they're like, and I, I too, because I, I like Victor Oladipo. I've always liked him. I was like, what a joke. Like, they're <laughs> yeah, going to be terrible. Yeah. And I was like, Victor Latipo's contract is like $21 million a year. That's a joke. They're so dumb. And then it, it's worked perfectly. You get the hometown yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah, they get, yeah, you get a hometown boy, Victor Oladipo, most Loser. improved player probably. Yep. And then DeMontis Sabonis comes off the bench, and he's probably one of the best bench players in the league right yeah. now. And that's what you need in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you can't yeah. have a you can't have a good five. You have to have a good seven to eight. Yeah, don't mess it, with the Bohan. <laughs> <laughs> Bogdanovich will light you up from deep. He's See, a good player. He's that's a very the thing good too. I mean, who needs Paul George? Honestly, like just kind of an uh, overrated player. You know, Aladipo over George. I think that's. I think we can all, all yeah, agree on sure. that. Aladipo's going to LA next. Just everyone, watch out. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to move on to some way too early predictions for the playoffs. It may not be that early, but still, I think it's a pretty good case. So, Jack, uh, what do you have for us? So, the, the people that I picked, the team, I guess you could say, not the people, well, or the person, maybe. The people. Is the people. We, the people, have picked <laughs> the Cavaliers. There we go. But, <laughs> but, and I'm sure anyone who's listened to this show more than once, which is up for debate, would say, <laughs> would say, Oh wow, Jack! Don't pick, don't sell yourself yeah, short. Come on, Jack! Jack! Pick, Jack picked the Cavs. What a surprise! He's a huge fan. I'm not picking the Cavs because oh, I'm the biggest fan ever. I'm because if it, if like the series, if I had to pick the finals, I would say Cavs Warriors. But if they didn't have to play any other game, the Warriors would stomp them. But I think the Warriors are going to really, really, really have to grind on this West Side. I think that these teams are going to beat them down. I think, like I said, San Antonio, like the experience. I think. I know that they think, okay, we're probably not going to win these games. We're going to have to really attack them. And I think every single team is going to say, hey, the only way we're going to beat the Warriors is we got to get after them. we got to get after them hard. we got to, you know, don't let them get easy buckets, whatever. I think it's going to translate to the Warriors. If they don't get hurt, they're going to be really beat down. They're going to be really tired. Um, and, and I think LeBron James is going to find this next year. I don't think he's going to allow himself to get, uh, to get to the fi- – or to not get to the finals, I guess you could say. And a lot of scenarios would be, yeah, Cavs, Cavs, Warriors, Warriors are going to win. It's, it's said and done. But with – with the West being a little bit stronger, I think that the Warriors might be hurting a little bit more than I think they will once they get to the finals. We've talked about the Spurs a lot. I have a question. Like obviously, you said they're probably like, oh, we're probably not going to win this series. Popovich, super cut and dry guy. Do you think he said that in the locker room at all? Yeah, guys, we're probably not going to win this series, <laughs> but give it all. Do you think he said something like that, or do you I, think he's? I, oh, I guarantee I, you that Popovich just said, "Listen, we're, we shouldn't beat these guys. They're, yeah. way, they're way better." Than no, us. honestly, <laughs> sure like, he well, think about it. he's got a roster full of veterans. They're not idiots. Yeah. I mean, you can tell young guys. You can you can tell guys that come into the league like. The league is yours. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. But, like, I mean, Danny Green and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker are sitting there. And they're like, all right, let's just wrap like, this okay, one up. Okay, this like, is yeah. the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. be like, all right, well, we might get one. That might look good on, like, my Hall of Fame resume later. But, like, right <laughs> now, I'm just kind of ready to get out well, of this. And Pop would use a good way to spin it. He'd be like, listen, 
we shouldn't beat these guys. They are way better than us. And then, you know, yeah. bring the motivational side of But if we do this, this, that, like, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I just wondered if you guys thought that. Because yeah. I, I totally think oh, he's probably 100%. been like, yeah, we're probably not going to Oh, especially win. after yeah. that first game, he probably yeah. went in there and he was like, you guys are going to lose <laughs> every game after this. <laughs> All right, Wyatt, what do you have for your way too early prediction? See, my way too early prediction goes along with how superstitious I am. Uh, very superstitious guy. If I play well in a basketball game in high school, I'm going to wear those same exact socks on every – game until I have a bad one. Gross. If uh, Patriots Gross. win while I'm wearing a certain jersey, like if it's my Brady jersey or my other jersey, my red <laughs> one or my blue one or my custom one, like either one. All right, we get it. You're weird. It doesn't matter. Like if they win, they win in that jersey. Like Kay. 07, they go undefeated. I eat eggs that morning in the Super Bowl. They lose, haven't ate eggs since. Pretty superstitious guy. And then, you know what happened last time Cavs won? What? What? All right. Alabama won national title. All right. I dig it. Nova won national title in basketball. Okay. Tristan Thompson cheated on his pregnant girlfriend. (laughs) Oh. Steph Curry. I was a knee injury in the first round of the playoffs. Just mark it down in the books. Cavs are winning this year. No. Wow. It doesn't make any sense. It's sold. Stop it. Definitely. No. History repeats itself. Oh, you forgot the part where the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl in all those years, too. Well, they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, So, oh, okay. Why did did you just forget that one? I just got to bring you down every once in a while. <laughs> Tired of these, this Homer sitting over here to the left of me. It's getting, getting annoying. All right, moving on to me. Yeah, moving on to me so I can tell my Homer. <laughs> yeah. So he can so, be a Homer for a minute. Hey, I'm not a Homer. I'm not from Golden State. I don't know anything about them. All right, so um, clearly it's going to be Golden State winning this title. I mean, they are the second seed. Houston's going to fold under the pressure. That, I, I mean, you can put that down. I, I think that second round, maybe even in this first round, I don't know. I feel like they're just going to collapse entirely. Um I say Golden State's going to win this, but I think it's going to come with some controversy. I think Draymond Green is finally going to have a breaking point with the um, the management of Golden State. I think finally they're going to be like, ah, yikes, is this guy worth it? They're like, four All-Stars? I don't know. I think we can get a lot for Draymond Green. I think there's a market for him. And I think they're right. I think something's going to happen that yeah. they're not going to enjoy anymore. I think they're going to realize that Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson are both still are at 30 years old or younger. And they think that they can still continue to win championships without Draymond Green. I don't know if that's true or not because Draymond Green has been a great player for them. I don't know if he's a great player anywhere else. But I just kind of see that happening. I kind of see – and also I could definitely see them losing a game in a close minute, maybe to Houston, maybe in the finals to a Cleveland or whoever comes out of the East. And Draymond is the reason why, whether it's a technical foul, whether it's because he took a shot Kevin didn't like. I could see any of these happening, but – I just, I just have a bad feeling that, you know, this may be the end of the run for Golden State with Draymond Green. Evan, what do you got for us? Well, I was going to actually uh, piggyback on what you just said about Draymond before I get to mine. His shooting percentages are terrible this year. Absolutely, which yeah. I think there is a team, though, that is dumb is probably the right word, but I don't like using that <laughs> word, that is dumb enough to take a risk on a player like that. The Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yes, the yeah. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> but, I mean, you're totally right, though. He is a double-double guy. He's a great glue guy. He's like Rodman, though. Rodman knew that he couldn't go to a team and be the number one guy. He understood that. And I don't know if Draymond quite gets that because everyone talks about him so great. and like He's just a great player. But his three-point percentage has dipped under the 30% range. A guy like that shooting only eight or nine shots should shoot at least 35% from the three-point range. Okay, so I'll move on to mine. Just had to throw my tidbit in there. Um, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. (laughs) 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 But I did just see this, and this was was before I put this down. Uh, Carmelo had nine points in the first quarter for OKC, and I put Melo was going to go off in the playoffs. I'm not saying go off for like 30 points every single night. He's going to score 20 to 25. 
and shoot a good percentage because that's the key is him shooting a good percentage. Paul George is going to take over at some point for OKC as well, I think. And both of those players will be back in OKC uniforms next year. Carmelo Anthony has a t- or he has a player option that's worth about thirty million dollars. Holy cow! He's not going to get thirty million dollars probably anywhere else. And yeah. That might be a stretch. Probably closer to twenty five million dollars is what his uh, player option is. He's not going to get that in any other market. You don't you don't think Sacramento or some Vince Carter market no. would just offer him? No, because Melo's going to be. I don't think he wants to just go to a loser either. He wa- he's expressed he wanted to play for the Rockets. They just don't have the checkbook open enough, yeah. and they're yeah, already going to go Chris over. Paul. Yeah, because they're already going to go over the luxury tax with the, the roster oh, they have. Yeah. But he would have to take like a twelve million in a year and Melo we know is not no. not that type no, no. of a guy. Paul George I think he will come back to OKC. It won't be a max. Well, it'll be a max deal, but it won't be like that 30 million dollar deal. And I think he's going to take over. So that's what I think is going to happen for for OKC specifically are those two guys because they've been terrible the last month, but I think they're going to show up in the playoffs. Okay, fair enough. So moving on from the NBA, we'll take a little break and talk some Nebraska football for once. So spring game's coming up on April 21st. It's not really football weather right now. We do have snow on the ground in April, so not used to that. But uh, spring game, again, on Saturday, I believe it kicks off at 2 p.m. So what are we looking forward to? Evan, I'll, I'll let you lead off. You're kind of our Husker es- expert here. Uh, I would definitely say we're going to see a lot of receivers on the field. I think they're about seven or eight deep at that position. I think there's going to be some surprises with guys like Mike Williams. They said he's kind of a secret. They've talked about the muscle he's built, but he is definitely probably the fastest guy on the team, which is pretty crazy because there's some pretty athletic dudes on the team. Uh, Stanley Morgan, I don't know how much they'll show of him on the spring game. I think they're going to keep him a little bit quiet. Um, the running back situation, a little bit of a concern. I mean, they don't really know. I've been told. Brian's not playing. Yeah, Brian's not playing. I don't know if he'll be healthy till two or three weeks before the season. They said he's just still banged up. Um, but with that running back situation, it's a little odd. I've been told from sources that Greg Bell hasn't been practicing for reasons like they think he might be the guy, so they're trying to keep him healthy as long as they can. If there was probably a little bit of a battle, he might be running with those guys a little bit more. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. There has been a lot of talk with the defense that it is just in attack mode at all times, mm-hmm. which I think that might come down to, and it's awful to say you don't want to pin it on one guy. If Breon Dixon can somehow get that waiver, I think that defense might be something else because they have him oh, yeah. playing four positions which is unheard of oh, in yeah. college football. Like, that is crazy because they said they can throw him an outside backer, inside backer, nickel safety. Oh, my goodness. And, that's, and they, they the just, I, I don't know how much, how much like, they're saying he's going to play all four of those, but I think they can try him out a little bit of everything. Well, you find a position for a guy who yeah. can play it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and everyone's a little worried about that secondary as well, so having a guy like that would be key. But getting Juco guys like Deontay uh, Williams and stuff like that, that's definitely going to help that defense. Jack, I'll kind of ask you right now. So when you go, you have your own spring game coming up on the 19th that you're getting ready for. So as like an offensive lineman-wise, is there anything that you prepare for differently going into spring games than you do maybe like fall practices? Is it more just like learning new systems, that kind of stuff? Or is there truly like you're getting into the nitty-gritty technique type stuff? Well, I mean, when you look at the totality of a spring ball, it is, it's a lot about development. It's a lot about development of younger players. Um, so, I mean, in, in scrimmages, if you've been there for a while, you are a starter. You, you take a little less reps because you want to see new players because there's a lot of guys who've never, you know, never played college football before. They've they've ran scout team in the fall, but in, in the spring it's their time to really shine and separate themselves. And 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 it's so crucial for those young guys to develop well in the spring, and then when the fall rolls around, they're actually ready to play. Um, something about something about uh, spring ball that's a little bit uh, different with fall campus is obviously you're playing against each other. So you know the first couple of days it's 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 back to the the original feeling yourself out kind of start a fall fall camp everything. But what's hard about towards the end of it, towards the spring game, is everyone knows your trick. Yeah. Everyone knows the little thing about each other, and especially when you go to offensive line to defensive line, everyone knows their tendencies. They know how they want to block. They know what moves they want to type, try to make. And 
And you know, people can notice if you're a little, little, you know, head heavier. You're not very good with your hands. People know that at this point. They watch film every single day. We've been going at each other for almost an entire month. So even if, even if, you know, you you may be better, or worse, the same as someone. You have to kind of kick it to that next level when the spring game comes and say, hey, I got to do something a little different. I need to really, really study and and figure out tendencies because I could sit here and say, oh. You know, I know what this defensive guy is going to do. But yeah. guess what? He can say the exact same thing about me. I know exactly what's going to happen when Jack drops back in pass coverage. So it's it's more of a mental game than you'd actually find uh, than than the the physical upfront game of an offensive defensive line. And is it different playing a scrimmage like a couple weeks ago? You had a Saturday scrimmage, didn't you? Is it different playing those scrimmages on kind of those Saturdays, just regular days, compared to under the lights as a spring game where it's? I mean, people think of spring games as right. just glorified practices. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think that. You do get a little bit different of a mindset and, and the build-up, and there is a little bit something a little bit different about it. Um, but it's like anything. I mean, it's even like playing in your first college game. Once you get out there and you've, and you've ran a couple of plays, it all feels the same. It feels like you're scrimmaging at practice. I mean, that at least that's the takeaway I get. And I think when you play offensive line, I mean, you are playing in a small area. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not running very far. You're not seeing the entire field. When you're a quarterback, I mean, you're seeing everything. You're looking for everything. Everything's coming in front of you. When you're an offensive lineman, you are playing a little bit in a container, so you can find a way to just kind of block everything out, and that's the value, the value at least I've always seen. Wyatt, what are you looking forward to for Nebraska spring game? Uh, definitely the quarterback competition. I really hope Martinez kind of shows what he can do out there. Uh, he's definitely Scott Frost's guy. I mean, Patrick O'Brien's just gone, so, I mean, I think that kind of helps out things, especially some fans who thought he was good. That definitely. Oh, jeez. Sorry if you're listening. I doubt it. But uh, yeah, definitely. When people were saying, "Oh, P.O.B. should get more snaps than Tanner Lee," get out of here. Um. Yeah. Go for it. Keep I was it gonna it. say the the one the one thing that I want to look at just from an outsider perspective is not an outsider because I'm a Husker fan, but kind of the thing that people aren't looking at. I'm excited to see if Nebraska is gonna come out on both sides with some intensity and some actual fire because. Yes, there was, a lot, there was a lot of lack of that in the Mike Riley era. But also, I mean, Scott Frost, all he talks about is we're working so hard, we're pushing so hard, we're, you know, it's about aggressive this and that. And he's even said, you know, I don't like to yell at my players. I want them to go make plays. So I want to see that. I want to see aggressive football being played. Not to say that Mike Riley's was like, oh, they were super soft. I mean, that's up for speculation. But I want to see. They were. Well, it was a lack of, like, fire. I want to see yeah. some fire. And, 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 I mean, and to be honest, it reminds me of Bo Pelini's first year. You saw a fire come out of that defense. You saw something you've never seen before, or at least hadn't seen in a while when it started with Bo Pelini. So I'd like to see something like that. I want to see people hitting hard. I want to see people playing intensely and, and people just getting overall excited because we all know Husker fans are excited about Scott Frost and everything, but let's remember that the football players still have to play the game. So I want to see that fire translate to them. And I think with that, with the schedule they have, which is on some people's radar, second toughest strength of schedule, I don't think you have a choice. I think yeah. you have to play yeah. with fire. you got to play like there's nothing to lose. Obviously, there is the game to lose. If Nebraska wins seven games this next year, that is a successful season. With oh, this. oh, that's, that's, a, that's remarkable. That would be, be fantastic. And then to go back to what Wyatt's saying, kind of crazy. I thought Jebby would be the guy maybe that'd come out. Yeah. It's Andrew Bunch. Whoa. From what I'm told is Andrew Bunch is the guy who they think might push for that starter spot. Wow. And also Vedral has um, applied for a waiver, which there's a possibility. I don't think it'll happen yeah, because I, that's why that rule is implemented, so yeah. you can't follow your coach. Right. But um, <laughs> the, the crazy thing is they say Bunch is one of the guys, it's him and Martinez it looks like right now. Wow. Which for Bunch, I, I, was, I was talking to some people about this, for Bunch, probably the most athletic quarterback we have right now, and maybe – 
playing in that Mike Riley system helped his passing because he ran option offense. So yeah. maybe it did kind of make Made it more well-rounded. Yeah, hey, definitely more balanced. I mean, honestly, something good had to come out of Mike Riley era. I mean, it had to be something. Something I'm looking for in this spring game, another thing is like to see what actually relates to what correlates with the spring game to the actual season. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. last year we talked about, like, because Tanner Lee balled out. He had an amazing mm -hmm. spring game. All and three of them did. Yeah. Wyatt Missouri had an amazing spring game, too, and he didn't yeah. see, like, the field at all this past season. He got yep. talks from Mike Riley about how he would be in on some situations, and that never happened. Mm -hmm. But who's to say, like, if he has another big game, I'm really watching for Wyatt Missouri this year. And yeah. throwback to Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Hopefully he has another <laughs> big game. <laughs> some, something to keep in mind from the offensive line perspective, I have, I have got to talk to uh, – a couple offensive linemen, Michael Decker being one of them. Mm -hmm. He's injured currently, um, and, and they just made it seem like the, the offensive line is really thin right now. There's a lot of guys yeah. who are hurt. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing from the offensive line uh, is probably not what you're going to get in the fall, but it's, it's, no. it's, it's, it's similar to the Loper scenario we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, where you're going to get guys to get developed. Now, are those guys going to be seen in the fall? I guess we'll find out. And I hope that's the case because last year with the defense, we were all told that Diaco didn't show everything in the 3-4 defense in the well, spring he game. he didn't show anything. He, he showed everything <laughs> that they did in the fall during that spring <laughs> game, honestly. Exactly. And that's the one thing that I'm looking forward to in this game. Defense, defense, defense. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. offense can win you games, obviously, but defense will keep you in them. I yeah. mean, if you can keep games under 10, 17 points, yeah. you can come back from those. It's when you give up 31 points or 42 points or 49 points and a half pretty tough to come back from something like that. I think if the defense can prove that it's athletic, tough, and can stop the run, then that's what we need because those are the things we'll see in the Big Ten, not just from the top-tier teams. We have, to be, we have to prove that Nebraska can beat Purdue and beat Iowa and beat Illinois and Indiana and these middle-tier teams every single year in and year out because those are the teams that, you know, if Scott Frost lives up to the hype and we're a top-three Big Ten team every year, those are the teams you have to beat and look out for. I mean, Indiana has been Michigan's Achilles heel almost every year. They almost get them every single year now, and Michigan's a top-ten team almost every single year going into the season. And I think with defense also for the Huskers, speed is something they recruited, which was an emphasis. I actually talked to Coach Rude a little bit after off the record, and I was like, what about this Will Honus kid, that Juco, number one Juco linebacker in the nation? And he said, we didn't get the number one Juco linebacker in the nation. We got the number one linebacker in the nation. Wow. He said, we wanted to get, yeah, he, he said, we wanted to get a kid in here who puts his head down Figuratively speaking, obviously he tackles with his head yeah. but <laughs> he gets no Nick tackle. Gary. Yes, no, yes. no Nick Gary. Yeah, no. yeah. And they said that goes and makes plays. And if you watch that kid's film, and it's not like every single play he's just tearing a kid's head off. Yeah. He's doing everything right. Yes, and cousin, that's what you need. Cousin Todd's already on the team as well. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, and that definitely helped getting him there. But that's what Rude said. He was like, "We got the best linebacker." He said, "We didn't focus on hardly anyone else. We knew we wanted a guy who could come in, we could plug him in, and he'd be ready to play." And I think, and I'm not saying he's Levante David. But if he can have an impact similar to that, that'd that be would pretty be, good. That would be pretty good. Yeah. If he can come up with ninety tackles rather than one hundred and twenty, that'd be all right. <laughs> I think we'd be yeah. okay with that. I think, <laughs> I think I think everyone would be fine. Yes. <laughs> all right. So moving on to UNK football. So again, the spring game coming up on April nineteenth. That's uh, Thursday evening. Jack, you looking forward to the game? I am. I think I'm gonna go. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I think I'll be there. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay, that's what we like to hear. So, can you give us a take or a little, uh, little? blimp or something that you can give us yeah no i think that i think that uh, <laughs> <laughs> little blimp. I, little blimp. I, I uh forgot what word i was gonna say halfway through so i had to throw it in there that's a good one I like it. so Just in this blimp. in this blimp all <laughs> no but i think i think that um i think it's gonna be a really that's exciting awesome. game i mean we have a lot of experience coming back there's a lot of young guys played i'm excited to see uh, how our defense is gonna go because we have an incredible defensive coordinator in scott lewis i think he's an absolute genius uh he's only 29 years old so i think he's got a really bright wow. future ahead of him um, our defense is good. I, I mean, we need to kind of find that experience and that leadership role. 
Uh, when looking at the side of the offense, our quarterback competition has been unbelievable. Uh, Steve Worthing's out there looking like a veteran. Alex McGinnis is another guy who's out there making really good plays. And Cody Summers, a transfer who actually played at Washburn, a really phenomenal runner, and I think I think it's going to make a big impact. He's actually I like McGinnis. I can, I can say that because I'm not affiliated with the team. But doing the broadcast and stuff, big-bodied guy, that was the game that we did yeah. when he came in for Worthing. And yeah. just a different tone as yeah. soon as he mm-hmm. came into the game. Yeah. I mean, you could just tell that your your playbook changed too. I yeah. mean, honestly, like you can you can expect him to be able to shed off a blocker if you miss one, or yeah. uh, if they bring pressure that he can stand in the pocket and take those hits. That's something that I didn't really see with Worthing. Not to say he was a bad no, quarterback, yeah, but when Worthing was running the option, way different feel than when McGinnis was running it. Right, and I and I think that overall it's a really good quarterback competition that's going to work because I think they they bring different elements. Uh, I mean, like I said, Steve's a veteran. I think he. He plays really smooth, and, and Alex McGinnis really brings that fire to the table. Um, Cody is coming off a concussion, so he has been limited to a lot of stuff. So we're going to see. But if, either way, you know whether that job is his or not, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's going to find his way in the field. Um, you know we're, we're we're mixing running backs and, and features in. Um, I think I think we're going to have some really good talent. Another guy to look out for in the in the quarterback spot is Carson Walters. Uh, he's a young guy, but I mean just looking him in the scrimmages, he's he's got a lot of fire and he plays really well. Uh, up front on the offensive line. We actually have three players, David Squires, Devin Hernandez. And Jack McClay. Yeah, and Josh Stoltenberg are actually all guys who are not playing right now. Josh is coming off an injury, and uh, Devin and uh, Dave are too old, so they have to take a semester <laughs> off. It's true. Um, and so, so we've, had, we've been plugging, plugging in a lot of different offensive linemen, giving them really good experience. It's kind of like Nebraska. You're going to see, you know, this is a great opportunity for guys who are behind to play now, and then when those guys come back, it's going to be good competition. Really good job mixing in. Overall, I'm, I'm really excited for the Lopers. I think it'd be bad if I wasn't yeah but you know with, with the coaching staff we have now and and the experience we actually have coming back I mean we've been all of us have been playing since we're redshirt freshmen now yep. being redshirt junior senior we have some really good talent and some really good actual MIAA experience that can I think propel us to a pretty good season all right perfect thanks Jack it was great. You, no you did a great job being the correspondent Thanks. and being a team player. I mean, yeah. honestly, you, you didn't give us too much. Now we all have to go to the spring game and just, you know, check in on everything That's that you told right. us. So with that, we're going to take a break here. Uh, we'll be back with our scandal tweet injury of the week as well as why it's Fivers. So stay tuned for that. I thought that I've been hurt before. But no one's ever left me quite this sore Your words cut deeper than a knife Now I need someone to breathe me back to life Got a feeling that I'm going under But I know that I'll make it out alive If I quit calling you my lover you watch me bleed until I can't breathe Shaking, falling onto my knees And now that I'm without your kisses I'll be needing stitches Tripping over myself Aching, begging you to come out And now that I'm without your kisses I'll be needing stitches Just like I'm drawn to a flame oh you lured me in i couldn't sense the pain your bitter heart cold to the touch now i'm gonna reap what i sow i'm left seeing red on my own 
No, you're not getting pulled over. That is just your announcement for our Scandal of the Week coming here on 91.1 KLPR. This is the Blue and Gold Standard. We are ready for some of our favorite segments of the week. So who wants to take it off first? Wyatt? Jack? Myself? Anyone? Jack, you got it. It's all you. Okay. So my Scandal of the Week is Adam Silver was quoted basically saying he doesn't know if he can stop tanking, which from one point that's a little concerning being the commissioner saying you can't. Is he tanking? Oh, oh, that's genius. The whole league's going down. Well, here's where you, I mean, part of me is like, okay, you're the commissioner, and you don't know if you can stop something going on in the NBA. Yeah. That is concerning. But at the same time, I don't blame him. How do you stop that? It's like impossible. We, like we've talked about, it's all, it's all speculation. How can you say, oh, they're tanking? And imagine if they're like, hey, listen, we need you guys to stop tanking. And they're like, we're not tanking, so yeah. we're just not very good. <laughs> like, I don't know what you tell someone. So We're I mean, actually putting an effort in. Sir. Yeah, kick yeah. him, kick him when they're down. He needs know? to play. He needs to play. He hey, should no lottery hey, picks for you. Hey, Browns, quit tanking. <laughs> we just didn't win a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> we tried really hard. That's what I'm saying. Like you, it's all speculation. You can't. So I mean, it, everyone's it thinks it's such a controversial thing saying, "Oh, do you not have control of your NBA? Do you have you know blah blah?" It's like, how do you make a how do you make a rule towards that? Yeah. It's such an abstract thing. How can you make? Oh yeah, no tanking. You have to play that player. Like he's if he has a broken leg, he can't play. So I mean. I, I understand why initially it comes off as a as a scandal, but in reality, like, I agree with them. All right. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, too. I mean, it's just such a hard thing that you can put black and white on paper that says, hey, this is not what you can be doing. You know, uh, we use the example in our, our, uh, our rundown, our show, you know, our pre-show before, and, you know, Tim Duncan didn't play for like 30 games in a season, a couple of seasons, like the yeah. last three seasons he played, they weren't tanking. I mean, they were just holding him back. Yeah. Is that still tanking? Yeah. Like, are, are you just, yeah, can, you're holding back your starters. I mean, that's essentially what tanking is, it, correct? Yeah, and is, is tanking is tanking only a bad thing? I mean, like yeah. you're saying, like, they're, they're tanking, they're, quote, tanking 
for saying, okay, let's keep him off so then he's good because we're going to have a good season. We're going to get a good draw, and then he's going to be fresh for the playoffs. Yeah. So is tanking only a bad thing or is tanking a good thing, but they're only recognizing when someone's doing it for a poor purpose? Absolutely. All right, so my scandal of the week is Kawhi Leonard not being in California for the game yesterday against the Warriors. It was actually a very interesting scenario. There are a lot of tweets. People were tweeting about, oh, where's Kawhi? You know, didn't travel to the game. Nobody knows what's going on truly with his injury. Of course, Evan made the comment about uh, his group saying that he's not medically cleared, but yet the team doctors say that he is medically cleared. Really weird scenario going on all around. But um, something that did come up was the fact that there was a short, brief Snapchat story that was posted on Kawhi Leonard's Snapchat that was screenshotted and put on Twitter. It was taken down, put up and taken down within probably 30, 45 seconds. So to have seen it is just remarkable in itself. But it was apparently Kawhi Leonard uh, taking a picture of a Fortnite screen saying, LOL, the first time I've ever tried playing this, during the game of the Golden State Warriors against the San Antonio Spurs, which just says a whole new world of everything that may be going on in San Antonio with him and the management there. Well, and I think just with, you know, that's one thing with the whole management, but if it's a regular season game on a Tuesday night and, like, you're hurt and you've been hurt for a while, yeah. I understand, like, you might not be watching the game that second or, you know, for a glimpse. But, I mean, this is game one. This of the is, playoffs, like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you would you would be – you should have probably traveled if you're that much of a team player. But it's like you should at least be watching, understanding, and like, getting some takeaways from this. I know you've been hurt for a long time, but there's a certain level. That's what I'm saying. I know you've been hurt. I get it. Maybe don't watch one game. But when yeah. it's game one of the playoffs, come on. Very true. All right, Wyatt, what's your scandal? Uh, my scandal right now is the new NCAA kickoff rule. Explain and that, it. And that basically <laughs> runs down to if you're receiving a kickoff and you're still down, in, I believe it's inside the 20, 25, and you fair catch at any time, the ball will be placed. It'll be treated as a touchback, yeah, it's and the ball will be placed at 25-yard line. See, and like I said, I, I, I shouldn't say I like it, but I'll tell you why I like it. Because – it has been put on the table, the kickoff should be gone. It has been a serious discussion. Kickoffs should not be in football anymore. So, with that being said, if, if it's either, you know, if, if that's going to be the option, then I'm okay with this option because, yes, you can fair catch. It's not as fun. It's a little more boring. But you still do have the option. There, there's still an option, as we've talked about, to make a huge play. You know, your brother is a punt returner. It's, I mean, let's say he's a kick returner. Yeah. I and mean, that's especially is to make huge plays. So, to be able to have that person, to be a playmaker, you can recruit still for it. And... I can, I can only imagine that there's going to be times where if a team's down, if a team is losing, anything inside the, or anything like above the goal line inside the uh, 25, they're going to take because they need to get a spot. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that you know they're trying to refine it because clearly it was going to happen in some sort of way. But I do like that they still allow the possibility of a big play. Uh, to me, this eliminates a couple of things. One, I think it eventually eliminates a kickoff. Uh, two, I think this eliminates trick plays and kickoffs. I don't think you'll be able to do the you know end around sweep or yeah. do the f fake returns or anything like that because it's going to be too complicated of a rule to be able to you know misconstrue which what is what. And then, um, I would just like to say too that kick returns are such a crapshoot half the time. You don't even know as a returner when you're standing back there, you're looking up at the sky trying to judge where the ball is coming yeah. towards you. That you do, I mean, you've done it enough that you know where you are in the field, but Mo not really. Yeah, yeah. and like I you mean, also don't know how your blocks are setting up down the field. Do you know how hard it would be to try to run down a ball that's coming at you like so fast and see all these other guys in front of you that are going to be hard to distinguish in jersey colors and whatnot, along with the lights of the stadium and bigger stadiums, all that kind of stuff, and know how well your blocks are being set up. Well, look how. I mean, look at how many times you've seen a receiver 
you know, catch a ball right before it's, you know, it's, it's going to go out of bounds. Yeah. But they catch because they don't know. And those guys, every single day, return kicks in practice, have done it multiple times in their life. So, like, you, you both make the point. You do have an idea of where you are, but you really don't at the same yeah. time. So, I think that you're going to see people return the ball because they, I mean, or they're going to look straight down to see where they are because I don't think it's going to be like, oh, this is clearly a 25-yard line or 20-yard yeah. line. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of, I don't know if you call it confusion, but. Which is going to be hilarious the first time that someone's on the 26-yard line and fair catches it. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, they'll get one extra yard, I guess, but then it'll be like, well, could you have returned it, you know? Yeah, yeah I see the main problem is this. is They're definitely trying to get rid of some injuries, but I see a lot more injuries happening because the people that are on kickoff cover are the psychopaths. Those yes, are the people absolutely. trying to go yeah. take yeah. somebody's no, head. they are. That's what they are. That's what they're designed. It's kill, 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 nothing else on the mind. Those right. are the guys that are not – They're like sprint. they're undrafted free agents, or I guess in the NCAA, you know, those are like a walk-on guys that are from – Eric Martins yeah, from uh, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the guys from, like, I, I don't know, Perkins County, Nebraska, where they're just going to be sprinting down the field. They're like, I just want to make a play. I want to tell my grandkids. And then they're just going <laughs> to smack somebody. They're yeah. just going to take them out because yeah. what else are they supposed to do? And some – buddy who's on kick return is setting up a block down there for some guy who's calling a fair catch inside the 10 something like that so they can get out the 25 you think that guy going full head of steam from their side of the field trying to take somebody's head off just gonna stop to not hit that wall of blocks and you're gonna get a little helmet to helmet action that's gonna be concussions that's what happened when the nfl moved up the kickoff yard line because they wanted more touchbacks but then the nfl's like eh, we're just gonna chump it up down to the one so they have to return it and have yeah. crappy field position yeah all right, so moving on to the tweet of the week, I'll uh, start with mine. I actually stole this one from Jack, so thanks for the assist there, yeah. Butto. So Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, give me a tweet. Uh, so it went like this, reporter, uh, to Greg Popovich, how are you going to stop KD, Coach Popovich? I hope your entire family dies. <laughs> reporter, ha, 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 thanks, Coach. Yeah. That's exactly how all of his press conferences go every week because yeah. everyone, like, he's always grumpy, he's always upset about something, and yet everyone's just like, oh, he's so funny. Well, and like a reporter would be like, I thought I made him. Really good step with Popovich. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, like, he didn't he didn't just tell me to die. He told my entire family. Yeah, I mean, this like, is great. I mean, honestly, like he's, he he cares about me now. Yeah, yeah quality yeah. stuff. But honestly, even better than that tweet was probably the actual press conference. Oh yeah, he's like, it was hilarious. What are you gonna do? Um, how are you gonna stop Katie? Oh yeah, we need uh, Danny Green to grow about four to five inches this weekend <laughs> and get faster, be able to jump higher, and tell Kevin to stop being so good. Yeah, I mean, it's a good strategy. It could work, yeah, but um, unrealistically, I mean. What are the expectations that one of your players past his uh, growth spurt is going to grow that much? It's pretty yeah. pretty low percentage. But you never know. You, d- you truly don't. You know. <laughs> I mean, how many times that <laughs> happened in the, the past where you tell the other team's best player to not play good, and I don't think it works out. I'm yeah. pretty sure. He's like, oh man, okay, I see what you're like, coming oh, from. I'll let you Okay, right. Pop, I feel you. Uh, <laughs> right. My tweet of yeah. the week comes from a uh, former Nebraska player, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Uh, he tweeted <laughs> out Wizards in four, and then quoted it directly after the game, said Wizards in five asterisk fat fingered. My bad, Twitter. <laughs> It's the so only like, only productive thing he's done for Nebraska recently. So I mean, yeah, wow, it is what that it was is. harsh. Uh, well, you I know, like your style. you can't you can't leave the university and leave me with a broken heart, well. Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack, what do you got? So my tweet is it's fitting to a Sunday, and, and when you're trying to stay in and stay cozy, and and it's to people in our age group. Love spending a relaxing Sunday curled up with a good book as it sits next to me untouched while I scroll through Twitter for three <laughs> hours. <laughs> Me every day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> never, never been there. Yeah, not, I don't read not a big so book. Guy. Yeah, books you know, overrated. I'll tell you what. <laughs> there's only one person in the Jameson family that reads books, and it's Angie because no one else can. 
So Who's Angie? You know, Angie's my mom. His mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Because yeah. no one else can. Yeah, no one else can read books. Ask Andrew. I mean, he didn't read while he was on the show. I mean, he didn't. just kind of looked at it. He had pictures. He had big pictures on there. All right, so moving on to our injury of the week. Uh, I'm going to take Joel Embiid's Phantom of the Process face mask. If you guys didn't see, you guys remember when LeBron had that mask when he was playing in the in the Heat? I think it was against yeah. the Bulls in like the playoff series. He had that hilarious mask that everyone was making fun of. It, it was like clear. Well, Joel Embiid went all out for his orbital bone fracture, and it's half white, half black, and it's hilarious because he was like, he was like beating a drum before the start of game one. It was just getting everyone hyped. And he wears it all the time. Like he was wearing like a suit and this mask. And he wears it on Twitter. He wears it during his uh, Twitch streams. He was playing like Fortnite or PUBG, whatever he's into. Mm. And he was wearing it then. Like oh he is gosh. really digging into this Phantom of the, no Phantom one of the Process. I was until Phantom. I put on the mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you, all right. I want to go. Asian Philadelphia. Yeah. I was born in it. Yeah. <laughs> Molded not, by it. We're not talking. Okay. You guys <laughs> are dumb. No, Batman. Yeah. So mine, everyone who's listening, it's not rest, but Dang. oh, it is nope. close. No rest in the playoffs. Justin Patton. Okay. Okay. Omaha boy. Right. Omaha North. Yeah. Great. Played for Creighton. Great. Oh, of course. Great. He's just getting it. Now, keep in mind, too, he's just getting his chance in the NBA. Oh, yeah. It, Young guy. This, this just happened. He got moved up, I think, a few weeks ago. And it's the playoffs, and they're in it. What happened? Illness. Oh, boy. I don't, I don't care what you're ill with. This is the playoffs. <laughs> Michael Jordan flew. Yeah. He played. That's great. That's one of the greatest of all time. He played. Exactly. I, I don't want to hear it. Are you comparing Justin Patton to Michael Jordan? Yes. And okay. I, <laughs> Pretty much same guy, honestly. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of that uh, Dame Dalla lyric that I was talking about earlier in the game six. He said, I ain't make the all-stars, but I'm flu game sick. Last time they count me out, what I do game six. That was in the They Sleep. Pretty good Dame Dalla song. Way to throw back. Yeah. Nice job. Well, Lou. All the Here way at the Blue and Gold Standard, we like to go back. No. <laughs> we like to go back and improve on it. Yeah. No, but seriously, up. Justin Patton, I understand sickness is not very fun, but this is the playoffs, and you're actually getting. You have shot. to be bedridden. Yeah, like, I mean, this, you're, is, yeah. this is not skipping class. Sick. I mean, just this box, is like box you somebody out, cough on them a little bit, get yeah. them sick. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, and that's it, honestly the strategy. And, right and if there. the Timberwolves lose, they win if they're all sick. True. So I mean, if they don't have anyone to play, you win by default. That's right. That's a good plan, Jack. I like the way you like the way you work. All right, my, injury of the week, Wyatt? My injury of the weeks are kind of more of NBA fans having to watch the first round of playoffs without some marquee names. Like, I mean, Steph Curry's out. Obviously, that sucks for the Warriors. But, I mean, you got Kevin Durant still, Clay Thompson, all those big names. But then you got Kawhi out for the playoffs. Kyrie, gone. Gordon Hayward didn't play the whole season. Like, those are just some big names that you'd like to see play in the playoffs. I mean, Celtics, yeah, that'd be a fun team to watch. But now, I mean, they kind of are, but eh, yeah. rather not. Don't really care much. They can't really do anything and Kawhi Leonard obviously want to see him on the Spurs now backing off of that do we have any more injuries Was no I think them? those are all our those injuries all so Wyatt wow. are you excited for what's coming up next oh you betcha all right Let's Wyatt it. you've Let's got it right it. here all right so again our newest segment here on the blue and gold standard it's Wyatt's Fiverr so the top five ways for something going on in the mind of Wyatt Fiverr so what is it this week uh this week we have top five ways to prepare for dead week or finals uh, so if everyone is unfamiliar with the dead week can you explain it to us uh dead week is supposed to be that week before finals where the teachers don't assign anything so you can study but that doesn't happen here at UNK Ever. we have professors earning their money rightfully absolutely they're doing their jobs folks teaching us learning us signing homeworks all right number five Wyatt let's all hear right it. number five this is what goes through most people I'm not Counting you people who study all the time, but uh, Jack, yeah, <laughs> wrong. 
we'll leave it at that. But number five is the typical asking your professor for extra credit, even though that they clearly stated at the beginning of the semester, don't come to me asking for extra credit at the end of the semester. But you got to try. I mean, yeah. that's in the syllabus that I didn't read, man. Yeah. You know that. You yeah, know right, I wasn't going to look right at Right when they read that on syllabus day that I didn't show up for, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for that. I see it, and I'm like, okay. Challenge accepted. Yeah, Why it's yeah. the person that on tour that your tour guide was like, yeah, honestly, the only times that those lecture halls are going to be filled are on test days and finals day. You don't even have to worry about the other days because Wyatt doesn't even go to class. He's been here five years, right. six years. Five? I mean, when you pass the class, it's all that matters. Right? <laughs> there you go. All right, Wyatt, number four. OGs get degrees. Uh, <laughs> number four is tell everyone how blessed or thankful you are to be done with school only to tweet about how much you miss being in college a month or two later. Okay, I see. I like That's a that good one. tactic. That goes through like half of the Twitter sphere. <laughs> All right, Wyatt, number three. Number three, talking about the good old days, about how crazy things were on Dead Week and Finals. Is this on social media, in like in personal? Person. In, in person. In person, okay. I mean, when you're this, in when you're old, it's the good old yeah, days. Yeah, this is, is, is going to be my 10th Dead Week and Finals <laughs> Week coming up. I did the math, and yeah, that's been a while. God. Yeah, about nine or eight Finals Weeks ago. Oh, it was wild. <laughs> All right, number two. Number two is just the typical pulling all-nighters. You're oh, studying course. because of procrastination because, you know, that's the main key. I left it off my top five because everybody knows that. Oh, of course. Major and then number, number one. one, tweet or talk about how you should be studying as you continue to watch Netflix or play Fortnite. Okay. All it's right. so true. Yeah. Like, oh, I got it. I mean, I got a lot going on this week. That's like, a, Yeah. All right. Let's go do this. Continue my, watching? Yeah. Are, are you still there? Yes. <laughs> as you wa- look at yourself in the blank screen of Netflix, you're are just you like, still there? yes. Yes, I will. And that's always so sad because, like, like, because that is made so when you're like asleep or you fall asleep, like it doesn't just keep running, yeah. you know, whatever. It's supposed to help, and then you're like, oh no, I'm just still watching. <laughs> and I, I, I'm still here. I think your number one and two could be combined because I think I've pulled a couple of Netflix or Fortnite all-nighters before. I think yeah. that that's definitely been a thing. But we'll see if Dead Week kind of does us better a little bit. So recap us: five, top five ways to prepare for Dead Week from Wyatt Pfeiffer. All right, asking your professor for extra credit. Even though they clearly stated at the beginning of the semester, don't come to me asking for extra credit at the end of the semester. Tell everyone how blessed or thankful you are to be done with school, only to tweet about how much you miss it a month or two later. Talking about the good old days, about how crazy things were. Pulling all-nighters and tweeting or talking about how you should be studying as you continue to watch Netflix or or play Fortnite. All right, great like job, it. Wyatt's Fivers, right there. I love this new segment. It's honestly getting better and better every single week. So our final logs, Jack, you've got one for us. So everyone in the Kearney area who's listening, please attend the Skillet concert tonight. I've been working all day. I took a, a brief hiatus to come do the radio show, and I will be yeah. and I will be back working. So check it out. Skillet is a is a very talented bunch, and there is an opener of the name I do not know, <laughs> but what I do know is if you see a big fat guy cleaning up, there's about four of us, but. See one maybe with the hat, then it's me. So. Hey, then you could get a signature from the Blue and Gold Standard, your favorite co-host. You That's know. right. What can you do? So go to, go to the Skillet concert because... Sunday night, where would you rather be than the Skillet concert? That's right. Exactly. White, you got a final log for us? I mean, National Titanic Remembrance Day, National Glaze oh, Spiral my. Ham Day, I National Rubber Eraser Day, National Take a Wild Guest Day. I remember the Titanic. That was a good day. I miss those It was days. A, a bad day. Oh, was it? Unseen yes. Us. Not the movie. Like, the movie release was a good day. No. Yeah, no? No, not just, a big fan? Uh, not no, a big no, Titanic I, guy? No, I'm a fan of Titanic, okay. but that was just bad wording. You have a girlfriend. You've seen the Titanic. Uh, what? <laughs> I just it? assume that's what re- people in relationships do. Is that not what you do? They hog a door when you both could be No, on no, you watch the Titanic. <laughs> you no, watch the about. movie, Titanic. Do you not? Have you seen The Notebook? 
Uh, yeah, but not with a girlfriend. <laughs> I watched like, by myself. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That how weird? How weird? How weird is it that the first time I ever saw the Notebook, I was by myself and single. That's like sad. Did, were you? Were Did you, you ever sad? think that's why you were? I think I was sad. <laughs> I think I was confused. Like, did you think it wait, was like the bro book or like what? What did you have confused? confused? I was con- <laughs> I was confused. Meaning, why am I watching this? But then I was like, it's still not bad. Like, <laughs> it's kind of good. Hey, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to judge you for a movie choice. I, it was a dark time in your life, but here <laughs> you are. Now, now, now you got to watch the Titanic in the Notebook, and you can watch it with whoever you want. That's right. So That's I, right. It's fine, Jack. You're, you're doing great. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. It. So for my final logs, it's as usual. Uh, like our Facebook page, the Blue and Gold Standard, in the search bar. Follow our Twitter page at b underscore angie underscore standard. Uh, once again, follow us on the Facebook and Twitter page uh, at b underscore and g underscore standard. And then listen and subscribe to us on Castbox. You can just search the Blue and Gold Standard. You should be able to find us on there. With that, we'd like to thank once again Evan Jones for coming in late notice onto our show. We appreciate Yeet. all the stuff he's done for us. He's been a great uh, reoccurring guest here, as well as uh, just everyone that works hard for us at 91.1 KLPR. Ford Clark, our professor, giving us the opportunity to be in the studio. With that, we're going to sign off for the rest of the night, so we're going to leave you with some big and rich. Have a great start to your week, and go Lopers. Spring game, Thursday, April 19th. Flex on them. Yeah.